Hello and welcome once again to the wonderful festive vacation that is Kaiju Christmas. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Pum, 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 pum. Okay. <laughs> and joining <laughs> us once again is our Kaiju expert in the wings, Mr. Nicholas Rehack. Hey, it's me. And tonight we are joined by the Reverend of the Church in Tarantino himself, Mr. Scott Kay. Hello. Welcome, everyone, to tonight's episode. We're going to be looking at Godzilla versus King Ghidorah from 1992, I believe. Um, another chance to look at uh, another look at the darker Godzilla. But how are we all tonight, gentlemen? We're all feeling suitably festive, I hope. I mean, it's quickly closing in on that uh, key day for eating and gorging and being merry. So we're all in a festive mood this time of year? I think as festive as can be, you know, anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no snow, which is weird for the Northeast. No snow on the ground. So, yeah. I mean, there is some positive to global warming. <laughs> there's no snow on the ground, so there's some. <laughs> and we're about to get hit with, I think, like, at least in my region, two to three inches of rain. And it's mm. because the temperature is getting warmer. It's just going to be rain. It's not going to be any snow from it. So it's like, what are we doing here? Why Why are you going to be bitter cold if I'm not getting snow out? <laughs> uh, my temperatures are we're in the 50s today. Uh, I apologize. Ditto. Only Nick will understand that. We'll do the Celsius conversion a little bit for you. Uh, I don't know what that would be for you. Uh, Twelve? I don't fucking know. Okay. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it was. It's warm. It's unseasonable. It's like spring weather here, which is I don't bizarre. Which means you're fucking. At least for me, my uh, sinuses won't stop. They don't know what to do. It's cold. It's warm. It's cold. It's warm. Pick a fucking season. Let's stick with it. Okay. <laughs> so in terms of obviously cultural appreciation for this year, I mean, obviously there's been quite a number of great releases, both in like the film world, books, <laughs> music and stuff. I mean, we'll probably best obviously starting off tonight in the happy place, which is the cultural appreciation portion of tonight's entertainment. And in terms of like what's been your sort of highlights of this year, because... There's been so many great, like for myself, been so many films I've watched for the first time, such as like Kurosawa's Ran was such a highlight. And then there's been things that sort of stumbled across on um, Netflix as well, because Netflix has once again been putting out some interesting things, such as like The Big Four turned up on there, uh, which I really enjoyed. And um, certainly we've had some great suggestions from our listeners of things to watch, such as um, Killer Constable one and um there's also been fun discoveries from arrows such as like mysteries from hong kong with the Shaw brothers uh, volume two release but for yourselves uh what has been sort of like uh any sort of the cultural highlights uh should we start with you nick sure uh the big one for me and i think for you know a lot of us here was godzilla minus one coming out that was exciting absolutely love that um Another one, uh, Old Boy was back in theaters, so I got to see that, and that actually helped me reconnect with my cousin that I had been kind of distant from for a little bit. He and I bonded over, out of the strangest things, Asian cinema, and he is a huge Chang Che fan and got me into, like, Five Deadly Venoms and Crippled Avengers and The Flying Guillotine, like, just a lot of these older-style films that I did not know, and he is the type of person that when he's into something he's 
into something. So he's like read up on all these guys. He's been buying DVDs and, and Blu-rays online in order to watch stuff. So it's been really nice to reconnect with family, especially on a film level. So it's been good to like he'll I'll go to his house and bring some food. He'll come over here, bring food. We'll watch a movie. We'll talk about it. And then we'll just catch up. And it's been an absolute delight. And it's been like the highlight of my year. I think film wise has just been finding new films like through that. And then, you know, Scott, uh, I mean, obviously you guys can't see it because this is audio, but he's got a <laughs> picture or a poster of the Hateful Eight um, on the a poster background. My cousin and I. A little bit away from Asian cinema, we watched The Great Silence, which I think was a bit of an inspiration for that film. That blew me away, too. So I think for me, just watching cinema with family has been like the high point of the year for me. Yeah, Godzilla Minus One is a truly phenomenal film. It's currently managed to, um, it's currently sitting this at the top of my first time watches for this year. For, I thought for the longest time the menu was going to be my number one pick for this year, but mm-hmm. uh, Godzilla Minus One, as of last night, just completely just blew it out of the water. I think, if anything, it's shown the versatility of this character. And yeah. I mean, we're in a franchise which is what something like 38 entries long, if we're including like the American ones as well. Been going mm-hmm. on since the 1950s and still feels incredibly fresh. And I think there's very few franchises that can still say have that sort of claim. I think a lot of franchises sort of hit the low around the number 12 mark. Um, but Godzilla just keeps stomping on through, just keeps reinventing, keeps going yeah. forward. So. Obviously, in terms it. of uh, the legendary uh, Godzilla X-Kong Fallen Kingdom, which is out uh, next year, a lot of negativity from the trailer in how Godzilla and Kong are moving, how it's looking, uh, the foe's not significant enough. Uh, are we sort of excited as a collective for another Godzilla-Kong movie, or do we think sort of legendary are going in the wrong direction, really, with the franchise? For me, I'm... I'm okay with getting away from Kong and exploring other monsters, but that's just me as a kid and growing up and watching all these. I want to see all of my friends come back, kind of, and uh, and see like a new, like big Hollywood take on them. As for all the hate, I get it, but at the same time, it's like, where do you, where do you think they were gonna go? Like, where did you really think they were gonna go? Of course, it's gonna get big and absurd. They're gonna forget physics like the Fast and Furious films do. These ones are just big, dumb fun. And then when you have stuff like Shin Godzilla that comes out or Godzilla minus one, like that's where we know like that this is Godzilla. Like this is kaiju films. Like this is what it's supposed to be. So you can have both. Like you can have your big, just in your face, bright colors, and then you can have something that's a little more subtle with some heart. I'm I'm here for both of them. Like I'm not gonna hate on it just yet. So it, it can't get no worse than, you know, what uh, what's his face put out back in '98. But it can't get no worse than that. So <laughs> Roland Emmerich, that's his name. I couldn't. It's think been of a it. point it can't of get much no worse discussion. The '98, I will still defend the the first of the legendary Godzillas, less so. But um, Scott, what about yourself? Are you excited for some more giant well, monkey action? <sighs> Here's the thing. One of my favorite all-time uh, monster movies is King Kong Skull Island. I absolutely fucking loved that film. And I was a little disappointed that they didn't do more with it afterwards. And I understand that we always have to have King Kong and Godzilla fight for some for some reason. It's always going to be the thing that happens. But I would actually like to see them explore more of King Kong and separate the two. I, I, I'm kind of on board a little bit with what you're saying. 
you know, you want to see when you're talking about Godzilla, you do want to see the, the the rogues gallery of monsters that he fights. But for me, King Kong is is, is a stronger character. Now, it's a more Americanized character, obviously. But I would like to see what they did with Skull Island. I fucking loved combining King Kong with basically Apocalypse Now and Samuel L. Jackson yelling motherfucker. Like that it was the one of the greatest moments in the theater that I got to see. So I wish they would kind of even keep going more along that line with King Kong and separate the two. They, they mean, you know, let them get their feet underneath them and figure it out, but then maybe bring them back and have a better movie because it feels a little bit like what ruined for me. Uh, I know this is not the same people, but from DC, when Superman Man of Steel came out, I thought it was an amazing movie. And then they rushed quickly to make a Batman versus Superman for no fucking reason other than that they were worried that they weren't going to be able to keep up with the new Star Wars release and then also Avengers was coming out. So the well, we got to put something together. And so they threw together haphazardly Batman vs. Superman, which no one was asking for. And that was like, oh, and that really fucking – that was pretty much where uh, Zack Snyder's death note started. It was right then and there. Is that really kind of – he got forced into doing something that really was not what he wanted to do. And then that ruined that entire Snyderverse because of that. And so I'd like them you know, maybe separate the two, let them go to their respective corners, have a couple movies, and then come back and have a big old battle. But – Everyone wants to rush these movies out fast, and that's the problem, which is I haven't seen uh, Godzilla Minus One as of this recording, but I'm seeing it tomorrow. So I've already got that on the docket. I've heard nothing but good things. I'm super excited about it because I feel like it's almost like another King Kong Skull Island kind of feeling like it's a fresh take on something that we hadn't seen. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Hollywood's back to this 1980s. Everything's got to be a blockbuster. we got to get out now. we got to get out fast. Who cares about story? It's about spectacle. And that's the disappointing. It's a little disappointing sometimes. And it ruins fandoms. Well, it doesn't ruin it, but makes us as fans go, oh, why the fuck did you do that? You know, it's like, come on. Yeah. Steven? What's the question? Are you excited for, uh, the, are you excited for another round What's of... What's in uh, Marcellus Wallace's briefcase? <laughs> are you excited for another Godzilla Kong team up? So I'm very much like Scott. I fucking adored Skull Island. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to at all. I I, I <laughs> thought I, I I I'm not big on new releases on the whole, and I kind of missed any of the hype for it. We hadn't talked about it, Elwood, and then I I watched it and I thought that's just the kind of pulpy rubbish, <laughs> glorious fun, and it's funny that you say Scott about the Fast and Furious movies, which did go to a place where they were stupid fun so they stopped being a bit po-faced and serious they got to be ridiculous and but now they're at the point where they just throw out half a movie and honestly the, the worst thing i saw this year was the latest fast and furious movie by far um bits of it were funny but it was a dreadful piece of filmmaking um the other i did think the 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 other monster burst the first Godzilla movie it's not I know it's not the first what is it Gareth Edwards is that who made it the, yeah from 2014 yeah. yeah I really didn't like that at all so I was very I just thought that was boring um let's let's spend half the film walking in one direction and then change direction again rubbish but um <laughs> uh, it, it you know the the leading up to what was it king of the monsters and godzilla versus kong i've got to admit kind of fine but they feel like cover versions done by a band that's too good hmm. it'd be like um 
what if the Rolling Stones covered the Ramones? It's <laughs> just <laughs> all the all, all the all the notes are in the right place, but that's probably the problem. That kind of thing. So if they get back to that, it's a long way round. Is saying if they get back to that kind of almost fantasy action adventure that Skull Island was and do something different with it instead of making it CGI monster versus CGI monster. Um, so you're going to see minus one tomorrow, Scott. I think yes, I'm probably going to get to see it tomorrow as well. So I haven't seen it yet. But it obviously follows on from Shin Godzilla, which I saw a few years ago. And one of the things about Shin Godzilla is it is CGI, but they make the CGI look like it's a man in a suit. Mm. And so therefore it is another refresh. There's loads of refreshes, of course, as they go on, but it kind of feels respectful from what went before rather than just being, let's sell some action figures. I don't know. Maybe I'm being overly critical, but that that's, that's where I am. Definitely. I think there's a detachment between how the, how you look at the, how Japanese movies are made. There is, they obviously have, toy lines that go with them if you look at the masses of godzilla merchandise and gamma merchandise that you can get but it never feels like oh we're just making a movie to sell toys um and certainly when you look at godzilla minus one i'm certainly not going to try and spoil it for you but i mean here we have a story about a kamikaze pilot dealing with survivor's guilt and this is our main story and you try and think of like would an american studio do a mainstream like blockbuster where this is going to be our protagonist that there's moments with like there's large portions of this uh the film where it's about the rebuilding of japan like post-war the fact he gets this job where they're basically clearing out mines from the pacific conflict and there's some and nick i don't know if you got this vibe but when you look at the boat i couldn't help but think of the orca from jaws oh and there's scenes which like play up jaws in this movie immediately um, seeing that in the trailer i was like oh i'm thinking if we get the angle just right and they did and it was <laughs> it was good but um yeah i'm not gonna as I said, i'm not going to run it for you but i think as i said godzilla minus one even if you don't like shin godzilla i think godzilla minus one is like a very completely different beast and i think it's really sort of exciting what it uh what it leads to really but um scott anything else that's sort of like stood up for yourself i mean obviously you're sort of like deep in the depths of the tarantino world talking about <laughs> influences this year and you certainly had some interesting yes. uh, picks as a result of that i did and uh to kind of piggyback on nicholas one of my favorite asian cinema films of all time was and still is old boy and to get to see that in the theater again was super super fun back in august when they released it back over here it just took me back it reminded me how much i truly love the movie and how amazing of storytelling it is. It's one of the best stories, in my opinion, ever told in cinema. It's it's why I've, I always told people, you'll never be able to remake that in America. And then they tried, and they did exactly what I said they would do, which is not keep to the story because they're too worried about, ooh, the taboo of it. And that's what ruins it. Like, the decision at the end of that film is mind-blowing. It's fucking mind-blowing. <laughs> it blows away all the violence you just sat through that was crazy, but it's mind-blowing the decision that gets made. And you're just like, whoa. It, so getting to see that again was amazing. And as you said, on my journey, I got to see movies I hadn't seen before, one of them being The Great Silence. Absolutely spectacular film. Spectacular Italian Western. Like, I know the Sergio Leones get a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. I would say this is probably the second best to the 
Good, the Bad, and the Ugly probably won. This would be my second. It was really, really good. Scott, it's like you're in my brain right now, man. (laughs) It's like you're in there because I felt that way exactly. I watched Django first. So, because we were doing this for the Django Unchained episode, we looked at two films that inspired Django. And I watched Django, and actually, so it's a Corbucci double feature. And Django was okay. Two years later, he he makes The Great Silence. And the jump in filmmaking ability from Sergio Corbucci in two years is unbelievable. I recommend that people watch it the same way I did. Watch Django, you'll be like, eh, all right. But then you watch The Great Silence, you're like, this like this is the same movie. It's the same guy. Like it's an amazing jump. So that was fun. Um, I got to see the Taking of Pelham one, two, three, the original, not the shitty remake, Ooh. and Assault on Precinct thirteen. Amazing. And as I was talking before you jumped on, Nick, we uh, I you know flipping through Netflix uh, a couple about two weeks ago, and there's a new movie coming out called Believer Two. It's a, it was a South Korean movie, a crime film, and just a little trailer. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I was like, but you know what? I should see Believer because if I don't see Believer, I'm not going to know what the fuck's going on. I can't jump into a Korean film and not know what the fuck happened prior. I'm just going to be sitting there lost. Believer was one of the best films I saw of first watches this year. We'll get into Believer 2 later. I don't believe it's not going <laughs> to land in this section. But um, believe, believe, how about this? I'll give Believer 2 credit for getting me into Believer. So that's where I will uh, put my son. It got me into Believer. But yeah, those are some you know surprising first watches that were just spectacular, and I'm sure that tomorrow I would have added in uh, Godzilla minus one. I've heard nothing but good things, and I will be honest, I was hesitant because like they just brought out a Godzilla film, and so I didn't look into it too much. I was like, wait, they've already got one in the can already, and I was like, I was, all right, and so I just kind of bypassed. It. I was like, I'm not gonna, I don't have no time to go see another Godzilla movie, and then all I keep seeing on my feed, God's like, it's just like Godzilla one, greatest movie that's come out this year. I was just like, okay. And then you guys have – I was like, all right, I got to go see this fucking movie. So I'm really pumped to see that tomorrow. Uh, but, yeah, that's what I've got so far. But, yeah, Believer. So Asian cinema fans up there, Believer from 2018, a South Korean uh, crime film that was spectacular. going to be very interested to see where Godzilla Minus One falls on the list. I'm certainly looking at a lot of lists that are coming out to the minute, uh, such as the rap, Inside Film. Godzilla Minus One, nowhere to be seen. So I'm – and uh, you look at what's on their list and it's all like are we really going to think about some of these movies like five ten years down the line but uh again we'll save this for the next section steven um we've obviously seen a lot of interesting first time watches we've sort of obviously launched in the world cinema film club we got to see obviously i got to see a great rafa god for the first time the vanishing um i got to see that um, maradona documentary you introduced me to which was also really good even though i hate football so um, where have been the high points for yourself? So, um, I guess Nick wouldn't forgive me if I didn't mention Barbie. Um, okay, ending. <laughs> that's it, episode over. Because that's, that's all he knows me for. He's <laughs> his podcast where he talks about Barbie. And this too, this I, too. I know, I know. It always makes me laugh how invested you get into shock at this. Um, which is a movie. So I did the whole Barbie Heimer thing, right? I went to the cinema mm. and I enjoyed Barbie a lot. I actually, as I get more and more distance from it, I'm more disappointed by it. And I felt that it maybe didn't land as well as it ought to have done with the people who were behind the camera and in front of the camera doing. It. I think it's a lot of fun. 
but I don't think it quite landed what it thought it was landing. Oppenheimer has stopped me going to the cinema ever again. Ah. Because I thought, I can read a Wikipedia page at home. I don't need to see it dramatised. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was three hours of my life I couldn't get back in. It's a shame. I have mixed things about Chris Nolan. I think he's a master filmmaker. I think sometimes he could do with an editor. He could certainly do with someone sorting out the sound volume on things. And I just, I did, I did think it was clearly very well acted, blah, blah, blah. But... It was three hours of my life. Someone the other day asked me if I wanted to go and see um, the, uh, is it the Scorsese film? It goes on for years. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Film <laughs> need to stop at two hours. <laughs> if you can't tell the story in two hours, have a long, hard look at your, yourself and rip a few pages out. So there was that. On the is other. that your letterbox review, though? Is that, please tell me your letterbox review is exactly what you just said. If it's not, you need to stop what you're doing now and put it on there. It's one of the best letterbox reviews I've ever heard. It needs to be on there now. If it, if it isn't, it should be. I if it's not, I'm going to steal it. I'll be honest with you. I will steal it. <laughs> what does fuck that shit? A lot of my letterbox reviews are. No, like, no, the, the whole, like, I can read a Wikipedia page. Oh, that God. needs to be a part of your Oppenheimer it, review. It's like, oh, it's the best film of the year. And I'm thinking, really? Mm. Because, yeah. And, and and it's an interesting story, and, and they just, I don't know, they just missed everything. And you could have finished watching that film and not known that they killed several hundreds of thousands of Japanese people. So you have no idea what he was guilty about. Just ridiculous. Okay, so there's Barbara Hummer. But I did go to the other film I went to the cinema was, ironically, it's a film that's only half a film after just slagging off the Fast and the Furious one, which was Across the Spider-Verse. I loved Into the Spider-Verse. I thought that was just... It just in terms of what it does with animation, mm. what it the storytelling, the way it takes this high concept alternate universes of Spider-Man, and you know it absolutely plays into the fanboy in me, who and I know who half the character, more than half the characters are, but I'm thinking, but other people won't get this. It's too high concept. Um, and then across the Spider-Verse, oh, it can't be as good, can it? And it was, and it was really good. And even though again, it's only half a movie, I was absolutely blown away by it, and. Again, I was so happy to see it in the cinema, even though it worked perfectly well on home media. Although I do think that some of one of the characters is done at a different frame rate to everybody else. And that was a bit discombobulating in the cinema, but that might just be my eyesight. So that's the cinema stuff. I've just got one other thing is sort of the Asian cinema hat on and, and in terms of home media. It's been a brilliant year because we've had a whole bunch of Stephen Chow movies released in mm. the UK, never been able to get out before. So Eureka have released um, a version of From Beijing with Love and the two Royal Tramp films and 88 films did the fight back to school um, box set. None of those films were available in the UK before, not even on streaming. So I think maybe from Beijing from Love. All my copies of it are the ones I went and bought in Hong Kong. I need a Region 3 capable DVD player. I need... And, and, and they're shit quality. These are Blu-rays. They've been tarted up. They've got extra features. Um, especially the Eureka ones are really good. The 88 films one, a little bit more bare bones. But it's amazing. I'm so happy. And on top of that, um, there's a new... Well, new to me, boutique label called Radiance, who have finally put out mm. an Anne film that isn't Boat People... Um, and another film which I love called Visible Secret, which again is suddenly available to us. I'm hoping, you know, Anhui is one of the big, big names in 
Chinese cinema, in Hong Kong cinema, and frankly, we've only been able to get one of her films, which is which is Boat People, which is fairly recent. That was a Criterion fairly recently. Um, so I'm hoping to see a lot more of her stuff. So that's it. Wonderful stuff. Definitely Radiance Films have uh, got some very interesting stuff coming out. They recently published their list of 10 titles that they couldn't get, and Visitor Q was amongst those, which is uh, a shame, because the last copy of Visitor Q we had was, I believe, through Tarden. Uh, H Extreme was the yeah. last one we had. And and, and, it, and, it, and it looks like it's someone's filmed it off the telly that was playing a VHS. It's hard to say with that era. It's <laughs> a weird... I, I kind of like that uh, sort of... Uh, there's a kind of soft sheen to it. Quality, isn't it yeah but that's you get a lot that era of japanese cinema period always looks like it was all filmed on videotape um tv shows films there's just something about how they make you know the way all modern films look like they've been filmed with a blue filter on top of them all japanese films from that era look like they were filmed on second-hand video cassette uh, you obviously mentioned already the re-release of Old Boy. Uh, we are obviously going to be covering the whole of the Vengeance trilogy on episode 225, so uh, look forward to that. And we obviously we also had the release of Decision to Leave, um, which I caught for the, this year as well, which I, for myself I think was really, really good. I think, Stephen, you had different thoughts on it? or I thought um, I thought it was okay. Okay. Um I love anything with Tang Wei in it, obviously because she spent her blacklist year in Reading with me in the UK. Not literally with yeah, me, but just in, in the town I live in. Yeah, I, I kept, I hid her from the Chinese government. Um, I just thought it was a bit overlong, and I thought the fundament there wasn't there wasn't enough story to fill again a longer runtime than it really needed. But again, beautifully acted, beautifully shot, etc., etc., etc. Well, now we've obviously uh, added and sort of highlighted all the good things this year, and Stephen's busy decorating the aluminium pole of <laughs> Kaiju Christmas. It is time to get into the airing of grievances, and boy, has there been some real fun negativity to share from this year for all the good that we've had. Obviously, Barbie the movie, I did not feel the same way you did, Stephen, because I thought I was watching the different movie to everyone else. And the only highlight of that movie is when we have the two Kens have their big show off at the end, and the guy in front of me shouted, just fuck already. <laughs> uh, he should just said, just beach off already. Right? That's, if we're going to do the low-hanging fruit, you beach off. Everyone knows this. Come on. Um, Oppenheimer I was a little more kinder to, but then again, I watched that as a miniseries. I broke it up into an hour and a half viewings, and you know that was the entertainment for two nights uh myself and the wife went home and that was great i thought it was really good so so you didn't like that steven but the main grievance of this year was top browning's criterion release the top browning collection put out by criterion and my main gripe of this set other than the fact that they just took all the special features off the region 2 release of freaks given there's really nothing there but we also had a podcast episode which feels like such a throwaway feature. Don't put podcast episodes onto your DVDs. If I want to listen to a podcast, I will go and listen to a podcast. And certainly don't put a podcast on there, which misses the point of Freaks, where it makes it more a stance on disability when it's never been about disability because the Freaks are abnormals. 
neither would be classified as dis disability in that particular time period. It would be completely different. But Freaks and their cast, who, let's not forget, were featuring the A-star of the side show circus because Browning himself came from a circus background. So he only got the best and sideshow performers he could get, such as like Johnny Eck included in there. And it just really ticked me off to hear that podcast episode and they're just completely missing the point and it be so proudly included in a criterion set i just perhaps got such higher expectations when it comes to criterion of the product they put out and i can accept yes they're going to put out every coen brothers movie they're going to put out del toro's pinocchio and i well i don't understand why they're there they make people happy but at least the features sort of match up with the product but to include podcast episodes as special features i think is just waste of filler but that's been my sort of main gripe it went from being like one of my most anticipated releases of the year because um, I rarely buy Criterion and to have a Todd Browning collection which has the unknown freaks um, I was just really excited to have that and then I saw the special features and I was like ah just give it a miss but uh, for yourselves should we start with you Scott what has been your disappointments of the year <laughs> Uh, let's see. So believer uh, two. Infinity <laughs> pool can go fuck itself. Um, believer two. Uh, one one of the main characters was played by someone else. The other main character put on like twenty pounds, and yet the film takes place apparently on the same time frame that happened in the first one. It really, really ruins the first. It changes the ending. It changes everything about the film. Uh, Believer, the first one, is, is spectacular. Believer 2 is absolute dog shit. I was so pissed. Like I said, the only thing good about Believer 2, it got me into Believer, so I'm happy for that. Um, I'm going to stand with um, Steven a little bit here on some of these uh, movies that need to be fucking edited. Killer of the Flower Moon, much like The Irishman. Someone needs to tell Scorsese to take 35 to 40 minutes out of his movies and stop beating us a dead horse. Yes, we get it. White people are bad. <laughs> we get it in Killer of the Flower Moon. But after a while, I either wanted, I don't want to give away, the woman to die or something to happen. But if I had to see fucking Leonardo DiCaprio look like he's sucking on a lemon face for another 40 <laughs> minutes doing the same thing over and over again, I was ready to kill the Flower Moon myself. I was, I mean, fuck. Get an editor for God's sakes. Stop telling these long stories. You don't have a lot of life left. Shorten them up. <laughs> Be more like the killer. Two hours. Get in, get out, tell the story. Boom. We're done. On that note, Bo is Afraid can fuck itself. I really was a big fan of Ari. And I love his first two films. But Bo is Afraid is a piece of shit. It's afraid to be a movie. It's afraid to make a statement. It's afraid to be anything. But Joaquin Phoenix looking mentally challenged. I don't know. It was awful. It was – there was no story. That thing jumps to three different things. It's an anthology movie. And it's not a good one. So Bo's Afraid can also fuck itself. Um, the only thing good about Bo's Afraid is the ending credits. And I was like, yes. To give it away, Bo dies, and I was glad. I do not want to see that motherfucker alive again. If there's a sequel, I will get him. Um, and John Woo made his return to America in Silent Night. And no one told John Woo you don't have to be literal with Silent Night. And there's no talking in the film. Fuck John Woo and Silent Night. And last but not least, we're going to turn it to Tarantino and the people afraid to talk to him about the fact that last year he announced a TV show and this year suddenly it's a movie and we're pretending that the TV show is not now the fucking movie. I did see your meme. Somebody 
ask Quentin Tarantino a fucking question and say, hey, when did you make the decision to turn your TV show you announced in November of 2022 into a movie when you announced it later in March in 2023? That's my biggest grievance. If you listen to my podcast, I've been bitching about this for almost a year. Just someone asked me the question because it is no doubt in my mind. The movie is the TV show he repurposed. He had nothing planned. He said it. I was at the event in New York City. He had nothing planned. He said he had nothing planned. And four months later, he's got a fully formed movie, which never happens ever. It takes him years to write a script. So he took the TV show. He repurposed it perfectly fine. But no one in the media has the balls to ask him and say, hey, what happened to the TV show? Not that hard of a question, in my opinion, but apparently it's the Mandela effect. We turned into 2023. We forgot what he said in 2022, <laughs> and we're going to go into 2024 and forget it again as well. So, sorry, that's my grievance. But, uh, yeah, Stephen, don't don't waste your time killing Flower Moon. If you're not a big fan <laughs> of fucking Oppenheimer, you're really not going to be a big fan of Killer the Flower Moon. Really hacking down the Christmas watch list here with this episode. Aren't we? <laughs> it's like, it's like Silent Nights, Don't Have to Watch That, Be Always Not Afraid, because <laughs> uh, I guess I'm just watching. I don't know what I'm watching now, but I had a pile of DVDs that are now just a good bunch of shiny coasters, I guess. Well, if you have any kind of gifts, you haven't got anyone late and wrap those bad boys up. You got yourself a quick <laughs> gift idea. You're going to love Killer of the Flower Moon. <laughs> I'll, I'll send them over to team member Steph because she's getting married next year. Uh, so I'll go, oh, here's an Ellie wedding present for you. Enjoy. And then here's something off. for day one of your honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Palmer, uh, what would you like to get off your chest? <laughs> oh, you're going to also ruin my Christmas viewing as well. Well, no, because um, I've already had my rant about Oppenheimer, which wasn't the worst film I saw this year. The worst film I saw this year is one that we watched on our um, World Cinema podcast, which I can't remember if you've put it out yet. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can say that. That's fine. <laughs> I, I can say that, can I? You can say Ent- it because people Into the Void by Gaspar Noe was the most tedious thing I've ever sat through. Again, far too fucking long. And, yeah, I fuck off right however my um <laughs> i mean I, it was the worst thing it's like one thing to give someone something they don't enjoy and i when i saw your letterbox review of like half a star my heart sank because as i said it's one thing to give someone something they don't like to give them two and a half hours of something they don't like <laughs> is really bad <laughs> so uh so, so, sorry. so i've only been using letterbox for a couple of years right but i now log everything that i watch yeah I, I did a little sort just then. Enter the Void is the lowest ranked thing I've ever done, apart from it obviously doesn't include the things I don't put star values against. It is even behind Barbie A Perfect Christmas, which is the worst Barbie film, animated film of all time. <laughs> I'd rather watch that again. And that is fucking awful. Um, right. That's that's a, so my, my two rants. One, I'm not I'm not quite as angry about them. I'm just really disappointed in the world in general. Firstly, everything everywhere all at once. Why has it still not got a UK home media release? Last year, Um, it's been out in America and in Europe on on DVD and Blu-ray for nearly the entire time it is available on amazon prime but i can't believe that amazon prime is saying oh we're making too much money off the brits <laughs> it's very <laughs> weird <laughs> um i have now fixed that because i've bought the um uhd from 
Germany, and because it's Region Zero, um, all, all, all UHDs. So I can play that on my PlayStation 5, but that is somewhat limiting. But I just don't understand. You know, Oscar-winning movie of the year is still not available if you don't subscribe to Amazon Prime. Disgusting. Um, and the other thing is a bit of a lesser a whinge, but the um, Arrow did the um, the Bruce Lee box set this year, which is a very beautiful thing. And I ordered the special limited edition one from Arrow, so it's in the nice sort of Bruce Lee yellow and all that. Um it is a little bit limited in the films it covers. It's very specifically just these later Kung Fu ones that everybody knows. Packed with extra features. Not too horrendous a price, if you like, those box sets. But it yet again is a completely different fucking form factor to everything else they've put out. So I've got me two Shaw Skate box sets, which are really nice. Don't really fit on the shelf, but it could have looked just like that. Um... I don't even want to go into my Gamera box set, which is a completely different form factor again. But, yeah, I'm really disappointed that the that the Bruce Lee one, as nice as it is and as quality as it is, is just yet another form factor that doesn't fit on my shelves. I have now literally got a shelf for things that don't fit on the shelf. Thank you. That okay. really... <laughs> so... Our uh, takeaways this year is Barbie bad, learn to package, and learn to edit. Um, Nick, what would, what would, I'm trying to remember what, it, what your grievances were. Have we covered you yet? Or? He has not gone no, yet. No, no. okay. So, you skipped him. I'm so sorry, one. Nick. I was like, <laughs> you good, man. Everyone's popping around the screen. I thought if we were in order, and then it suddenly shifted <laughs> the order everyone's in on the screen. So You're frozen on my screen. Everyone okay. else is alive. You are, And I'm going to take a picture and send you with your picture. You look like you're yelling at a child in my perfect. screen, the way your face is frozen. It does. He, he's frozen on mine as well. It is kind yeah. of funny. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, yes, Mr. Rehack. What are your gripes uh, this year? What would you like to add? My gripes this year, I think it's just most, mostly subjective, but I felt like overall this was a very weak year at the movies. Okay. It took a lot for me to get to the movies. I have the AMC A-list, and I absolutely love it, and I make sure that I see as much to where I break even or they're essentially paying me to go see these movies, and it's taken me a lot to kind of hit that – I'm, they currently are paying me $20 to go to the movies this year. Uh, with a little bit of time left, I think I'm going to sneak a couple more in. But presently, I, I just I found myself spending a lot of time going to just older releases. Uh, they had uh, – what is it? They put Star- Return of the Jedi was back in theaters. I went and saw The Exorcist with my mom. Like uh, even, even some of the one-offs like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, like just – I would rather go see that knowing it's going to be not ter- or terrible, which was actually it was a fun movie. Mm, uh, it really swung the fences, didn't it? It's, it's just – it's better than you think it's going to be. And it's a shame when all these other films that are out, like they're just not like The Flash, right? A – if you're not going to release it, then don't. But if you are going to release it, make sure everything is up to par. It's some of the worst CGI work I've ever seen. Like, not just, you know, the green screen of it all, but even some of the effects work on, like, the outfits and the makeup. And I'm just, it's just, it was terrible. Overly long. It really didn't even need the film. But if you're going to put it out, just do something to it. Don't just let it go and hope it makes a couple bucks or just paint the whole thing because, hey, guess who's back? It's Michael Keaton. If that's your selling point, then you've got a real problem. 
And that's been the problem for a lot of films that have been coming out. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I really wanted to enjoy that movie, and there was great potential for that movie, but it was a real bait-and-switch. They painted it as one type of film, and guess what? It's something else altogether different, and there's no stakes, and I don't care now. And it's a bummer because the trailer was dope, a lot of fun visuals. It's just the potential was there for this to be such a year, and as soon as they said, hey, Dune's coming in 2024, I'm like, well, maybe I should just stay home because I don't think anything (laughs) else is going to be enjoyable. I missed out on seeing uh, Across the Spider-Verse in theaters, and I kicked myself repeatedly for doing so because it's a beautiful film, and I had so much fun with it. But when I did get to the movies and would see things like Transformers Rise of the Beast, tell me why I'm having fun watching a movie like this when I should be – there should be so much more out there, and it's just not the case. Last Voyage of the Demeter was boring. It should be a really tense just kind of horror film and it's not everything is either bland or boring or another entry in a property that we don't need or they're teasing something for a big build-up scott touched on this with batman and superman there are some films this year dungeons and dragons honor among thieves it was fun but you know they're trying to build it up to turn it into a franchise the super mario uh brothers movie fun but you know nintendo is just gonna unleash and every character is gonna have their own film not against it but i know it's gonna flood and oversaturate and they're just gonna go down in quality like everybody made the whale to be this big film that it was it was fine like i i feel like the praise was misguided this year everything was just kind of bland and it was just it was a disappointing year and i really wanted more out of it, especially because we're back in theaters. But and and more to Scott's point too, I think he's right. I think it's this very 80s. Everything has to be a spectacle, and I get it. Prices are expensive. It's not so easy to get out to the movies all the time. Uh, it so you need something to see in the theaters. Well, if you're gonna do that, make it a something that is gonna be worth seeing. And I feel bad for the indie theaters uh, that are out there because there's a lot of really good indie film. But it's so much easier to spend five bucks less and hang out and watch it at the house. And and I hate to say it that way because, you know, being in Baltimore, we I'm fortunate that we've got like the Charles. We've got the senator. We've got places that I can go to and see some great film. But I, sometimes it's just easier to sit in the house and, you know, wait an extra month and then find it on Prime or find it on wherever and, and get it that way. So it's just it's been a weak year for cinema and. I'm hoping with, you know, Dune coming out in March that that's like the nice big kickoff to a, a bigger year. But with the writer strike and everything, that pushes everything back that much further. And I understand I'm not like, oh, actors overpaid, blah, or excuse me, the, the actor strike. Oh, actors overpaid, blah, blah. I'm not saying that shit. I'm just saying it sucks for everyone involved that all these big, exciting things are just pushed back even further. And it just sucks. It just sucks all around. It's so, almost like we're going to have another COVID year where everything got pushed late 2021 to 20. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we I'm, had that I'm, big yeah. wasteland of nothing for and a long we, time. What we'll end up getting is some things that have been on the shelf. That will, yeah. That'll, and which may be a good thing. Some good indie things might get or something unexpected might get, get raised up. So just, Nick, I'd forgotten about The Flash and Ant-Man. See? Um, exactly. <laughs> um, with The Flash... I kind of like the general idea. I'm a huge Flash is my favorite DC. Mm-hmm. I really want it to work. I'm, I can even overlook the um, what's his name who played Ezra Miller. 
Ezra Miller. You know, I'm, I was willing to overlook anything about Ezra Miller. He's not Barry fucking Allen. He's Wally West. Why can't they just say that? Anyway, but they had one good idea in that was the Supergirl character, and they barely do anything with her. Mm. And it's so frustrating because mm-hmm. yeah. you thought, that's really interesting. You've done yeah. something... I'm all right with the Michael Keaton thing. It's a bit weird for him seeing both and all over the place. But mm-hmm. the Supergirl character, in in terms of her gender, in terms of her race, in terms of her what she was and her backstory, really interesting to fuck all with it. Ant-Man, if you're going to put Paul Rudd in a movie, play to Paul Rudd's strengths like you did in the first two. Yeah, <laughs> he he's a fantastic, charming comic actor and you live off his charisma. What the fuck Quantumania was, was they've let someone loose with some photo, uh, with some Adobe something or other doing some special effects and, and just everything about those first two movies that were good. Let's just throw it all away. Yeah. And I, again, I didn't hate, hate, hate it like I hated some other things I've ranted about, but I absolutely agree with you. Let's just stop making movies for movies' sake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I haven't seen the Marvels yet. I don't know if it's good or bad. I've seen lots of right-wing people moan about it, but that, <laughs> that, 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 that cheers me up no end. But <laughs> the fact that I haven't gone to see it means that I, fucking Marvel fanboy, have burnt out. Mm-hmm. I didn't see Guardians of the Galaxy three either at the cinema. Was that this year? Yes, it was this summer. There's another fucking disappointment. Um, <laughs> it's, it's... It was that that movie was a real bummer, just emotionally. Yeah. Because mm. at the the center of it, I mean, the essentially the whole th- the at at some point in that film, Sarah McLachlan should have stepped on screen because the animal scenes in this film are a bummer, like mm-hmm. an absolute bummer. I need a cut with that stuff removed from it because it's such a bummer. They took the fun stuff and made it bummers. And mm. it just added to the bummer year. And the other thing is, so, I thought it was a bait and switch too, because you get this feeling that someone's going to die from the characters. And once again, Marvel does not have the balls to kill off a character unless they snap their cares. fingers and yell their name twenty ten years after I, they built it up. And I've just remembered the other film I saw at the cinema, which was Wakanda Forever. Which oh, that was, was so boring. Pointless, pointless. Which was, I get it. I get the eulogy stuff, but it never raised above it again. Mm-hmm. The Namor stuff was a fantastic idea, right? You've you've taken something and done something interesting with it, and never went anywhere with it. You didn't commit to it. You didn't, you didn't, you know. I, I love the idea of him being some kind of Mexican underwater god thing. You know that makes it's far more interesting than a mutant or something like that. That was fantastic, but it was so fucking boring. And Black Panther is one of the greatest superhero movies. That that's your that's the thing you're trying to copy and it was dull and it wasn't vibrant and i i get they were trying to be respectful to chadwick boseman i get that but uh, uh, even after a funeral you have a wake and at the wake is when you start to get drunk and cheer up again right it was a weird old year and yeah, nice one. I would have really cheered us up. Oh, yeah. Well, how about this? I'll, I'll kind of add, a, <laughs> add a, uh, a one thing I forgot to add that was was a positive. She can add a positive note. I don't know how the, if the rest of you saw this, but I thoroughly fucking enjoyed Cocaine Bear. I forgot about Cocaine Wonderful. Bear because it came out so early really last year. come out. I fucking loved 
cocaine bear. God rest Ray Liotta. It was just such a fun fucking movie to just sit there and eat popcorn and watch a bear fuck people up. I mean, since this is kind of a, a monster podcast episode we're doing, that was a fun – I loved Cocaine Bear. I thought it was fucking fun to watch people get fucked up by a fucking bear. When it chases down the fucking ambulance, fucking G. I I mean, I was so excited. I was like, this is – I was like, there's more movies like this. Let's do this. I was a positive. I thought, 2023, the year of the Cocaine Bear, and then it went – we're off the edge, but hey, at least there was cocaine, but I guess that's all we could really and hang our hats on. Who would have thought Elizabeth Banks would have had that in her? Genius. Right? Yeah. Fucking genius. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's in how helpful you brought up cocaine bags. It just really sort of brings to mind that do we think the problem is with current cinema is that the best films are the ones not being made by committee? You look at everything that Marvel is putting out, all mm-hmm. the franchise, like anything Disney's putting out, it's always by simply by committee that they're putting it out. It has to all these points, all these criteria. And then we look at the best films of the year. For myself, films such as like Evil Dead Rise, Cocaine Bear. Um, I'm just uh, bringing up my list here, um, like Pearl, Bottoms. These aren't films that are being made by committees. A lot of them are like little indie pictures, and mm-hmm. they're all the better for it. And when you watch them, it feels so fresh and exciting. And yeah, I liked Ant-Man Quantumania. I would probably in a very small group who liked that, but Black Panther Wakanda Forever is probably one of the most boringest movies I saw this year. And this was a year where I also saw Scream Free. And um crystal fairy and the magic cactus is sort of like there was something about um these movies that just sort of like really stood out and stood out for me and i would love to see another rise of the american independent scene again we have more directors who are just going out there with little micro budgets and we certainly got studios like Bloomhouse. we've got a24 we've got uh altitude i think it is who are there in place to put out these movies and i'm just really excited to see what these studios are putting out in the coming slate i mean a24 have already announced that they're working with kojima to do the death stranding film which i'm very excited about what Um, i missed this announcement when did they say this it was around uh the game awards he sort of hinted at now it's just sort of like it was him and ariasta i think we're like hanging out and it's like oh yeah we're doing death stranding and yeah. it's like, hang, hang on a minute, Elwood, right? That's going to be a fucking five-hour film with some bloke walking around. It's going to be like... A, I, it's going to be like... Storm hey, that game is more than just walking around. You How see, dare you? Death Stranding <laughs> was my lockdown game. I want to watch game. a game Wikipedia page come to life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch The Postman uh, as a game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but no. Yeah. I just can't wait to see a film which features... Uh, advertisements for Norman Reedus's bike documentaries and <laughs> monster energy drinks and where you can make <laughs> shoes out of the plants around you. Conan um, O'Brien's going to show up. It's going to be awesome. It's, it's like miserable Minecraft. This is, is this is a game where you have a character called Dead Man. Mm-hmm. And it's all with all seriousness that this is put forward. But yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. But uh <sighs> I would like to think that we're going into 2024 with some positivity. There's some things to look forward to. June, you mentioned already, Nick, I'm super excited for. A lot of things that uh, we didn't get to see in June part one that I'm really excited to see in part two. So it's the Emperor, the Space Guild, um, I'm really excited for. I've just, before we came on tonight, I was watching um, David Lynch's June. 
and I'm nice. just again so wonderful with that. And even here on the network, we've got some fun stuff coming out. We've got a show Stephen's headed up on alternate futures called It Happened Here. We're going to be releasing the first season of that. I've got a project in the works called uh, The Spice Must Flow, which I'm in the depths of writing up. So hopefully have that out and that will be probably a one man show, as in just one oh. man's going to listen to it. But it will scratch yeah. that. And that's, the, that's the Spice Girls you're talking about, correct? You're going back through the history of the Spice Girls? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. the Spice World Minute. That's really what it is. It's a bait and switch. There's someone already doing that, so <laughs> no, like, no. You think it's about Dune? It's not. It's the Spice Girls. So uh... gotcha. You said tunes, not dunes. <laughs> so plenty to look forward to. Obviously, coming out and overall movies and tea. We've also got our seasons. We got our, that we've had been working on at the moment. So we've got. Our catch-up season, we've got um, our Wes Anderson season finally happening, which was supposed to be season one and is now season ten. It's just a busy time. <laughs> and we got there eventually. We got distracted by shiny things. <laughs> That's all we can say <laughs> in this. We're excited about how excited everyone else is going to be about what's coming up through Brain Studio Productions. Scott, you obviously got your season happening on Church of Tarantino. you got yes. a new season coming up. And yes. All about uh, Pulp Fiction as it turns 30. Nothing but Pulp Fiction for the entire mm. season three. Turns 30 in October. Uh, and But there's a new a new, um, a new new series on as well. So I always do the, like a the Bible side thing. So we'll do a character study. But we're adding Inglorious Blue Balls. Myself and my co-host Sean, we're going to go through for the next three years. We're going to talk about 36 projects that Tarantino has announced. Why they didn't come to fruition. And what color of blue balls did it give us with his announcement? So oh, he will be going into that. Yes. I like that. I like yes, that a lot. He, I mean, he pissed me off this year, in case you haven't noticed. A really bit. changed my ass. Just a little bit. Year. Just a hair. <laughs> that motherfucker. I mean, I love him, but you know what? I try not to be, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you just suck. He's like, no, I punch him in the ass, too. I'm, 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 I'm feeling a real sort of navy blue at the moment. Yes. <laughs> punch um, him in the ass. And Nick, you're obviously over a Rabbit Hole podcast. Uh, you've got doing watch, is it play MST3K for me? Were you in the depths of the MST3K archives? Yeah, it's it's interesting to kind of go from, you know, French toast to rabbit holes, but I landed over a rabbit hole podcast. I'm over on Play MST for me. It's where Jason and I are going through every single episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. He's seen all of them and is a fan with a capital F. I've never seen any of them, surprisingly. Uh, so we're doing that. I'm also on Lyrical Innuendo. Uh, it's not movie-based. It's music. Bubba Wheat and I, we listen to music, and we're like, hey, what, what is this really about? Is this about sex drugs, or is it just about rock and roll? What's going on here? And then uh, Bubba Wheat has a special project, Fight Club Minute, and I'm recently on that one as well. So, yeah, but overall, Rabbit Hole Podcast is that's where I'm at now. I have to thank Jason at some point, Tim. What's that? Will you guys be covering wet-ass pussy this year by any I, chance just so we not, can get – a deep dive? I don't think this year because we have just one more episode set to record on Tuesday, and that is not on the docket. But I think next <laughs> year we might get to it. You should. I think the kids want to know. Inquiring minds want to know just how it's deep a that real, song goes. Yeah, because sometimes you hear it and you're like, real I thinker. think it's about, but then maybe not because you know yeah. it's the wordplay is really what's exactly. Key. Have you seen Ben Shapiro talking about that? If you know no, who I Ben haven't. Shapiro is, unfortunately, yes, I do. I know he, he got really upset about that song, 
And oh man, you just feel I guess sorry. he could have just turned it off at any minute, and he didn't. What a bummer. Yeah. You well, just he was, watch, he, you watch his rant and you just feel sorry for him. The problem his is, is he was taking I'm saying notes. Saying no more than that. <laughs> he, was, he was taking notes and realized he had no chance of doing any of these things. And he was like, well, this is just not right. This is not American. No one can make that happen. That's in credit cards. I don't use credit cards anymore. I have nothing but gold. That's where all my money is. And Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, go to BenShapiro.com and join your Bitcoin. They're always selling uh, something yeah. to you. <laughs> it's the Bitcoin Brigade. We're going to stop it all. Well, uh, Mr. Soto has a podcast called Whatever with Jason Soto. But if you look up on YouTube, you would discover the other show called Whatever, which is a bunch of uh, right-wing guys arguing with OnlyFans girls. And it's now screwed up my recommendations forevermore. So now I get whatever podcast i get pop culture crisis and i get whatever um many boy over on live tv piers morgan's ranting about this week and it's like what the hell happened man i just tried to support my friend and now i've got like the right wing <laughs> anger coming oh, is it me. like one of those pickup you can't you can't say that right wing people are arguing with only fans girl and step past that as if yeah that's oh, just like no. something we should oh, no, all no. know. It's just like one of those yeah. pickup artist red pill people, like, oh, women are bloody. Oh, no, no. They, they go on about, like, a wife will, will be found. And they have an Asian girl who sits in the corner with, like, a German uh, pill helmet, you know, the one with a spike on the top. Mm. She doesn't say anything. She just sits in the corner. And they invite these girls on. And there's, like, this guy, uh, I think his name's Brad or something. And he's got, like, four other experts. <laughs> and they just gang up on these girls who just, like, turning up to get some extra like looks yeah. on their thing so this is this is this is a thing mate this is this, this is, is a the right most thing. toxic like, yeah it's, community it's all ever encounters it's all from the incel red pill kind of movement and and, <laughs> and, and these girls just now. go on they don't they just go on because they might get some followers to their only fans and well, that's they're what, gonna get followers they pretend yeah. to be christians and they're yeah i'm not this and is, not I don't know I if that's. I think it's grooming. It feels like they're grooming. It feels like this is more of like bring these girls on and maybe we got a shot, but we'll pretend we're yelling at them for our wives yeah. and yeah. sisters it's, to watch. It's, these it's shows the, go on for like six hours. Yeah, I know yeah. what this is. I've seen the reels where it's yeah, be yeah, like yeah, a yeah. panel of women and one of them's talking and they'll say something and then a guy just like cuts them down for thirty seconds straight and I'm like, okay, I don't need to see this next. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> his new reel. thing is. He, he would get bored and he eats popcorn, which is up there with like drinking tears and the most stupid things you can do. Like the, these people don't want to have a discussion. They just want to invite people in to come down. There's another like really angry, like 14 year old who you probably seen the clip go around. He's sort of like asking only fans go is all like you read books. What books you read? And then they'll say like, oh, Game of Thrones. It's like Game of Thrones isn't a book. And this is like the 15 credit. And he's all like. Such and such way destroys only fan girls, and you go on oh, to like the God, full clip. Those, anything that says destroys doesn't it? They always, <laughs> Shapiro destroys left winger yeah. in only fans debate, and, and you wonder really destroy they. He shouted over him while you were having a conversation. <laughs> That's not really destroys, and you were. These girls then show like their bank account. <laughs> go like, well, you well, know what? You watch my titties clip. have brought in this much money this month. <laughs> What is yours brought in, fuckface? You watch <laughs> the full clip do. of this uh, guy, though, and the whole time he's just there playing on his phone and making wild claims. It's like, oh, that was Netflix. They want to make a movie about me. What person is going to watch a movie about you? To some well, angry obviously, 14 obviously you're sitting there watching his video. 
therefore increasing his engagement, making him think that's possible. (laughs) I mean, this is the problem. I mean, as I said, this is why we, I mean, we're here providing, like, what good discussion should be, this open forum to exchange ideas, not just be like this division where you're either right or wrong. It's like, this is, uh, well, I think independent podcasts is so important that we encourage this forum where we have discussion rather than just i'm right you're wrong it's all like yes have opposing ideas and see if you can meet in the middle not just like have arguments it's these standoffs well, it is other. it is it is okay to disagree right you know yeah, we have very you know we do on, on a weekly show. basis <laughs> well we do and we don't but okay occasionally we do there you go you just disagree <laughs> <laughs> i disagree with myself in as real well time at the same time but you know, we had completely opposite views on Oppenheimer, for example. Yes. But it doesn't mean that we've shouted at each other or that, yeah, the the, the, the sort of the, the engagement of outrage, which has to go on these days, that everything has to be controversial, everything has to be, and I'm air quoting for those who... <laughs> It works on audio format. Can't hit the air, flash past my fingers, you know, left wing or right wing. Mm. Many of these issues have nothing to do with being politically left wing or right wing. It's just about twats and other twats. (laughs) And I love British sayings. Let's see see who the email gets the most uh, hate now. (laughs) You know, you know, I troll right wing YouTube channels. I've told you this before. (laughs) <laughs> whatever uh, disappeared they found me uh, <laughs> don't worry I, I do I do enjoy winding them up when they're going on about shit that doesn't matter I don't think they would uh, they would do well over here we're the country that invented Morrissey <laughs> well, <he's, laughs> we're, we're a special kind of down it's problematic <laughs> now as well isn't it like, you look at the <laughs> biggest bands in the UK it's like Radiohead the concert you said, oh, I went and had a great time standing still at this concert. He could dance to Radiohead. Just slowly, but he could still dance. <laughs> My eye and lung. Hey, who remembers this one? I can't wait to the Vegas residency. <laughs> Tom wet, Tom, uh, I'd r- I'd Tom in the listen- gold suit. <laughs> I'd rather listen to Oxford's Radiohead than I would Coldplay. <laughs> Yeah. Which I think is the biggest crime we've done against music. Who wants to hear Paranoid Android? When I'm king, the first of you against the wall. <sighs> and, a fun and next, next Christmas, Elwood will be putting out his own album of Christmas tunes. I am. I'm going to do Scarlett a. I'm going to do my Scarlett Johansson, and but I'm just going to do a collection of Radiohead covers. Whether it be like really upbeat. Scarlett Johansson's album of Tom Wakes covers, she which did. is actually quite good i know you own is it. it though is I, it though i kind of like it for mm. its i mean i love tom white i'm not mm. a big fan of scarlett johansson but i appreciate that she did it hmm. cool. oh okay. she wouldn't be allowed to <laughs> it's true I didn't care for it. I'll just... I didn't care for we it. We can agree to disagree. Stephen, destroy his rehab! Shut up, Yank! <laughs> <laughs> he got him, dude. He called him a fucking Yankee. He got him. <laughs> yeah, we invented music, mate. We, we gave you the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it's time to fire the projector for tonight's feature presentation, which, of course, is Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah.
Okay, so tonight we are looking for our fifth selection of Kaiju Christmas. We are looking at Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, one of my personal favourites. And of an era that I think often gets overlooked. We often talk about, a lot about the Shadow era, which when you think of like Godzilla movies, which is the sort of like monster-sized smackdowns, is the era that a lot of people sort of like use as a reference point. And then when we move into the Heisei era, which was the second era, uh, Godzilla takes on a much darker style. He becomes more animalistic. He becomes a lot more darker in tone. And this is where this this film falls. And it kind of fit in, really, because last year we obviously did Godzilla vs. Balante. This film follows on from it. But you can, like all Godzilla movies, watch it as its own thing. Um, the film itself... It sees a group of time travelers coming back to the modern day with a forewarning that Godzilla is going to destroy Japan and the world and that they must go back in time to remove Godzilla from the timeline and in doing so instead replace him with King Ghidorah as a new plot is slowly revealed. This um, I believe was a first time watch for some of you. Um, Scott this was sort of like your first introduction to japanese godzilla movies it's been a while since i've seen a japanese godzilla movie so it's fair to say that because i couldn't recall the names of the ones i'd seen prior so yes this would definitely be a uh, reconnecting with the uh, with my friends from twenty four thousand years with the 2400 was that the 25th century so yes it was nice to rekindle with my japanese-speaking 25th century uh americans that was or, i'm sorry uh earth unions there was there was a is that the original where the EU got its name from? Just a question. Right? Yeah, quick, that's where you guys got it from? Yeah. We all go, I'm Emmy, I'm English. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite line of the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're from the future, and I'm Japanese. <laughs> yeah, it's a real great characterization that we have uh, have for this group. I mean, this is a group of time travelers that include two English guys, a woman who defines herself as being Japanese, as well as a cyborg who, when he runs, turns into the Madonna's Ray of Light video. I think of him he as Streethawk. Do you remember Streethawk? <laughs> oh, oh my God, he does! This is, oh. this is your obscure <laughs> reference that I saw, and it's like, what's Streethawk? <laughs> so Streethawk was one of those 80s... So do you remember Knight Rider? You remember Knight Rider, of right? Of course. Yeah, of course. So, so, so there are a number of other shows that span off at the time that never went anywhere. So one of them was Manimal. Oh, yeah, yeah, he could tell me Another one was... That's right. Lasted 10-ish episodes. Um, they're, they're all cancelled after about 10 episodes. There's Auto Man, which is ripping off Tron a bit, but in the real world, so basically a police detective computer. That and Anyway, but one of them, the real ripper from Night Rider was called Street Hawk. It's about a guy who fights crime on the back of a Black Ops bike. Think about, think like Airwolf as well. That's, that's, that's the other one, which was fairly successful. But in Street Hawk, this bike could go very fucking fast. And the way they showed it was is that they just sped up the bike <laughs> as it was driving through the city. As cars were just going by at like 10 miles an hour, it was going about 40 miles an hour, and they sped it up, and it looked like it was good. And then when, when, when the, I know we're jumping ahead, but yeah, when um, when M11, is that his name? Yeah, M11. Was running after that car, they just street hawked it. And then they tried it again later on when he was just, those little twin boys, which they don't really mention, but are, are in as part of the alien plot and no, they're not aliens are they they're from the future i keep forgetting yeah um yeah he just they sped up so he ran over the other side of the set like i don't know five steps it was maybe it was very weird but i 
you know, just jumped ahead. But I love this era of Godzilla. And I've got Nick to thank for that, I think, because last year, this time last year, when we looked at Biolante, you know, I think I really love that movie. And I love the look of these this era of movies. There's a it's just something about how they're all filmed and how they all look. And if I'm right, thinking the return of Godzilla, the first one in the sort of series is a reset, isn't it? It's literally carries on from the very first Yes, Godzilla movie, and so all the Showa ones are off over on a different timeline. Um, and we'll talk about timelines later because this movie's got a very weird way it thinks timelines work. Um, not that it's real. I appreciate this is all science fiction. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just I just love the look of it, and there's something about the way that they're filmed, and there's something about the way the special effects work, and it's this mix of some really quite good suit work and some really 90s um like i don't know what was that thing called was it like a quantics thing that you do the special it mate it reminds me of doctor who right that's of (laughs) that's what it reminds me of (laughs) but with a little bit more um a little bit more sort of luster and money thrown at it but that's what i think that's why i love it but there is something just in how they look and it's really hard for me to explain. So, yeah, mm. I and you asked earlier, mate, I fucking love this movie, yeah. even, though, even like, though it's uh, mental. <laughs> I don't know it's if you hack. had this style over there in the 90s. There's a, a clothing company called Z Cavaricci and uh, every single one of the white people were wearing some kind of Z Cavaricci 1990s fucking outfit. And I love that. We're from the future. I'm like, what? Two days ago, like wearing nineties <laughs> clothing and like sneakers. I was like, you're not even close. Like, at least fake it. I mean, Star Wars yeah. came out in the seventies and they made it look like the future. Right. Right. At right. least go with something like that. Not just, hey, we're in big shoulder padded suits. We must be from the from somewhere else. Like, I remember. Emmy's got crimped hair. That's another one of the most nineties <laughs> things yes. I've ever yes. seen. Look at these. By the way, spoilers. This can't be the 90s. <laughs> I fucking I fucking love Emmy. I think she's the she's Japanese, greatest. Remember, I think she's, she's, she's one of the greatest characters that, she, and I hope she's going to appear in more Godzilla movies. You're going to be pretty well, disappointed. She won twenty four thousand. Oh my god, she does. She does. <laughs> oh mate, you just made my life. See you next. Christmas. I'm not going to say which one though, so you're going to no. have to watch it and find it. That's Last how we get you. Christmas, he gave you his heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We've sidetracked Elwood. Uh, sorry, Nick. What uh, do you seen this one prior to going into this? I don't know where you sort of ranked this one at all. Or I have seen this one. It had been a while since I've seen it. Um, when Criterion released their box set of uh, kind of the original Showa era stuff, I stepped in and was watching those and kind of reliving that. Uh, and then. With Biollante, I Godzilla vs. Biollante, my favorite Godzilla film. A uh, bit of a hot take. Some people agree, some people disagree, and that's fine. But this era of Godzilla is just completely different because now all of a sudden we have these Godzilla films that have a through line. Like each one bleeds into it. Yeah, you can watch them as standalone mm. because there is enough. It's it's not like a Friday the Thirteenth where they play you the last five minutes at the beginning of the movie, but there's enough of a like quick recap or two lines of dialogue to catch you up if need be. Yeah. So, I I, I like that that 
trend kind of started and it carried them in through this just truly insane like storyline and it just builds and builds like every year uh like godzilla day last year was godzilla versus mecha godzilla and theaters and seeing that was great uh this year it was i think it was tokyo sos i couldn't make it this year unfortunately but just some of the films that we're going back and looking at and we're talking about you know time trap and we're talking about aliens and we're talking about like a specialized force just for handling godzilla when he comes around it's it's kind of like what Marvel was getting to be or is now. It's this idea of like we're going to take this one character and we're just going to build a universe around him and people are going to keep showing up and in and out and sometimes you care and sometimes you don't. But to see it on such a uh, – on a high level and then you take a second and you go, they're putting so much effort into guys in rubber suits smacking each other. <laughs> and there's so much joy in that. Like Steven said, this is a completely mental film. Like this is insane. But if you take the Godzilla out of it, there's a kind of a decent concept here. And I think that's what keeps me coming back to these films. And what keeps them interesting is that there's a there's a really interesting concept. The whole thing isn't geared around Godzilla. I mean, it is, but it isn't. But it, there's just such an interesting premise to begin with that I'm hooked. And then you throw Godzilla on top of it, and I'm there. And I had so much fun revisiting this movie, and I King Ghidorah has always been like my favorite of the villains, just because he's so different from everybody else, uh, especially with like you know the three heads and everything. Uh, it's just, it was just an absolute delight rewatching it. That's good. I mean, this film we mentioned already follows on from Godzilla vs. Biollante, which had proven to be a disappointment with low audience numbers and low income. Mm -hmm. So the producers basically looked at what the competition was, and Biollante had gone up against Back to the Future 2. So they reasoned, well, audiences obviously weren't time travel movies, so let's give them Godzilla with time travel. And hence, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. They also wanted to bring back a lot of the classic monsters they had fought in the sort of the pre-80s movies, as we mentioned already with the shower era they're very iconic for featuring some really legendary monsters whose legacy still continues so we had people people as in monsters such as like king Ghidorah, we had mothra we had uh angelus and while many of these monsters wouldn't get to return into godzilla final wars obviously king Ghidorah being a big foe to godzilla they thought well we'll let's bring him back first of all and uh, in doing so, they even give Ghidorah an alternate origin story. Because before, he's always just been a space dragon. In this one, mm -hmm. he's <laughs> created out of weird, fuzzy monsters that apparently you are essential for when you go on time travel adventures. Yeah. So, uh, so let, let's be honest, right? The people at Toho, and I had a look at the previous five years of cinema <laughs> and thought, Back to the Future, check. Um, and gremlins. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Check. And, and, and let's, let's do that. So let's have these creepy fucking little animals. Again, Emmy, what did you think they were doing? But never mind. Thank you for <laughs> mentioning that because she pretends like she's not the one who left them there. Like, yeah. what the fuck did she think they were going to do? Like, and she, was <laughs> she knew what happened there. Why they <laughs> yeah. had to remove Godzilla. And they're like, well, we're going to drop these three guys off. <laughs> I don't want to know how they survived 14 more years so they were hit with the fucking nuclear. I think that's the real story we need to go back in time and find out. How they survived so much longer before. And what's the chances the three of them were standing next to each other when the nuclear strike happened? I don't remember. They've I know I'm picking violent, holes. They've been, like, the, the whole, that, that's not even the biggest hole in this movie, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> they have been biologically creep. She says mm-hmm. that they're, they're, they're biological, but basically she's got these three little things which will turn up to the biggest fucking gremlin ever, i.e. King Ghidorah. But I, again, I kind of like that because a space monster from Venus, that doesn't really hold up, does it? No. <laughs> but but a biologically like a engineered creature from the future, <laughs> that's realistic. Of course. I am being sick. Engineer from the future, <laughs> but made better in the past. Absolutely. By less, by, <laughs> by less technology. Like, yeah. By almost, <laughs> compared to 24,000, probably by technology that was really past its prime, being hit with a uranium bomb. They're like, well, that's the only way this, this meal is going to be made. These are the ingredients. This is what we got to do. So. So so, 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 yeah. But and there was another '80s movie. It reminded me of as well. But yeah, the, clearly they've had a look what there is, and let's 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 just throw it all in and see which what sticks. And a lot of it doesn't stick at all, but it's still a blast going along with it. I mean, and that's not even the craziest thing. The craziest thing about this movie is the fact that they allude. And maybe I'm reading too deep into this, and I'm ready to defend it if need be. They're alluding to the fact that Steven Spielberg's dad, <laughs> yes, thank you, his dad, is hanging out and watching this a dinosaur on an island. His so that, dad is. So here. that comes from a genuine anecdote, doesn't it? So <laughs> apparently, so, so Steven um, Steven Spielberg has said, he, I think it was. Um, they always say it's ET, but I assume it's Close Encounters. Yeah. has mm-hmm. come from stories his dad, who really was in. And, and you American fellas will have to help me out here because sure. this guy's um, called Major Spielberg. So the, the joke is they see we've, we've skipped quite ahead a lot. But basically, a couple of World War II <laughs> sorry, people, Americans, see something crash into an island, which is called in the subtitles Lagos Island. Right. But on a map in the film, it's called Ragos Island. And so has it been translated with one of the most one of those little, you know, like Japanese people can't say ours. Is that how they've translated the subtitles? Anyway, anyway, by the by. And and the guy goes, oh, my God, we should report that. And his commanding officer says, no, no, no. They'll all think we're crazy. But I'll tell you what, you can tell your son about it, Major Spielberg. Have I have I done it correctly? That's essentially it. However, no, I would my like question, to wonder my um, question is, who is directing the English speaking actors to not know how to speak English? Well, yeah. But why do they feel like they're speaking as if they're someone who's never spoken English before and they're very staccato and it's like they're reading a cards and it's as if like now you must speak English. And they're like, this is how we speak English. There you go, Miss Major Spielberg. Tell your son. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? No, what they've done is, so you get this. You get the this. English-speaking people not knowing how to speak, but yet the ones who speak Japanese are fluent. The, the white guy speaking I'm like, this is amazing. Then they go to speak English. Perfect. I'm like, what? I get this a lot. I actually thought I was having an aneurysm. You get this a lot in Asian cinema where when they need to cast a Caucasian person, they literally pull them off the street, right? And they can't act. They're just, hey. Oh, yeah, they normally you. go to the embassy, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Teams around. Again, I think I read, what I read about this was, is that in Japan, there were still there were still American Air Force bases there mm. or naval bases still, there, yes, and they okay. literally were soldiers. And then it said most of the soldiers used to spend their days appearing in adverts anyway. There was no, they were just, they were just, they weren't, they were amateur actors, 
that were being paid by the American uh, government. Anyway, my point is, what branch of the military is Major Spielberg in? It must be the Navy because they're yeah, on the ships. The so it's gotta be Where nice they don't the have majors. No, they don't have majors. So he can, so, so that's what really annoyed me. And I thought, well, maybe he's in the Marines. But I, I was certain it was no, the Navy. Yeah, the he was dressed Marines. as the Navy. Yeah. But it was and, the Navy. But, but, but there are no majors. Please, <laughs> don't do this to me, Toho, because <laughs> I spend an hour on a fucking Wikipedia page looking up <laughs> Army, American Army, um, <laughs> sort of ranks and stuff. I know about all how they get paid and everything now. And it didn't even fucking matter because it's a throwaway joke that is quite funny. I, I quite liked yes. it. It's, it's a bit. Yes. Doesn't... It, it was good. I, but I like how nonchalant they were. And I also like that they were like, hey, there's a UFO just crashing in the mountain. Don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden I was like, just start sending every bomb we've ever made in our guns <laughs> at the island at once. <laughs> we haven't been attacked, but attack the island now. <laughs> I was like, man, and then they're just calmly sitting on the ship. Don't worry about it. That technology can't affect us. I'm thinking, all right. <laughs> just, you say so. If you say so. <laughs> oh, there was like, it was like a movie on LSD. And and I appreciate that because I've, I got the, uh, I was on this podcast earlier in the year, Nick, and I did uh, the, the uh, legend of Ricky O. Another okay. wild, fucking <laughs> batshit crazy LSD film, and so I'm just appreciative I get to be brought on for these amazing LSD fucking. It does. It does. It does seem that we only invite you on when when the films are batshit crazy. I, and, I'm, yeah. and I feel that that's that's completely that's legitimate. That's completely legitimate. I, I'm I'm all for it. So Elwood. I don't want some I don't want some boring love story. Save that shit for someone else. I want. 1990s dressing people from the future showing up speaking perfect Japanese don't know how to speak English making sure we know the girl who is Japanese looks Japanese tells us the Japanese audience that it's made for that she's Japanese just in case those first Americans watching it don't understand that this is Japan I just fucking loved it oh so good so good by the way Godzilla's there too (laughs) Elwood I'm gonna try and just summarize sort of the opening set up of this movie if that's okay <laughs> and Go because i might have got it wrong and okay. i want to make sure that are my guests our guests and our audience we're all talking about the same movie so after the events of godzilla versus biolante yes mm-hmm. in which there is a world where godzilla exists um some UFOs come down in Japan, and one of them, as as is rightly said, makes contact with um, in because they always always come to Japan, don't they? And and you're quite right. Some white people, Ademi, the Japanese, and their robot android M11, yeah, and two fucking little queer twin things <laughs> that never get spoken about, which is a shame because I thought we could have some Mothra throwbacks or something because they've got the two little twin girls anyway anyway they come down and they basically say we're from the future and in the future um uh, what's J- japan i can't remember why they've done it nuclear, what, what, they say that nuclear they, radiation they, um, 
there's something nuclear yeah, waste. Japan has been destroyed by Godzilla. That that's right. However, that's a lie. And what's really happened is that Japan has become the most powerful economic power on the planet. Yeah. And that um even Emmy has come back and obviously agrees. And they what they want to do is they want to stunt Japan by basically getting it destroyed in nineteen ninety two. Right? That's their plan. So they stop off in nineteen ninety two pick up three people who we've met <laughs> for no reason at all mm-hmm. and go back to 1944 <laughs> to the island where the Godzilla Saurus, okay. which is what Godzilla was <laughs> before, right? And there's another fella that, that, that tells a story of how the Godzilla Saurus saved them when they were on an island being bombed by Major Spielberg and his mates. Yeah, so... And, 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 they, and, then, and then what they're going to do is they basically they teleport away Godzilla, yep. Saurus, so he mm-hmm. can't become Godzilla, right? And then introduce King Ghidorah yep. to mm-hmm. destroy Japan. Yes. Right? That, that's the plot. But everybody in the present, 1992, Back to the Future style mm. still remembers everything about Godzilla, even though he didn't <laughs> exist. And <laughs> King Agora only appears the day they return. Yeah. So he's been hanging out for 50 years doing something, jerking off or something. All of a sudden it's like, wait, we returned? And here is King Ghidorah. So <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. Time Godzilla has had no ripples through the time stream whatsoever other than he hasn't existed. But he's so still I guess Brian Lampe's taken over the fucking world. Um, <laughs> it's, it's other so it's really weird. And then Emmy, who has been one of the uh, people from the future, has a complete change of fucking (laughs) heart and says, I'm going to help fuck it all up. This plan. This plan isn't what I signed up for. She reprograms her Street Hawk robot. Uh, and then CDs. Are we going to pretend that the CD change from the 90s didn't get pulled out of his head? She was like, what are you listening to? Here's some Dave Matthews. Get in there. Now you're back on our team. <laughs> the second best line, you are my boss. <laughs> right. You, what a that weird delivery the, of that line. So, yeah. so I'm saying every English-speaking actor delivers their lines as if this is the first day of ever speaking English. Like they just learned these lines. A bit, a bit of me wonders if they're even saying those lines at all because they're certainly not really speaking the Japanese. They're just moving their mouths okay. in a way they've been told to move their mouths. So I think it's all dubbed. It's got to be. Elwood, so please. let's break this down a bit. First off... Don't even start thinking about how time travel works because this is a Godzilla movie. It's not a Back to the Future movie. It doesn't concern well, itself. Doesn't it the movie open up device. with a flashback? When we're watching the beginning of the movie, there's so, so the, oh, no, no, no. the beginning of the movie, and they're the over is... the death of Ghidorah. Yes, right. So the beginning King, of the movie then, is. Don't they then, isn't that Emmy later on? Is like, isn't that the yeah, same yeah. thing that we jump back that's, to? That's right. So mm-hmm. the movie opens after, Fisher style. after Godzilla <laughs> has beaten. King Ghidorah, and yeah. it's in the future, and they're trying yeah. to find King Ghidorah's skeleton to make Mecha King Ghidorah. Yeah. But it doesn't make any fucking sense to about so, an hour and 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I understand. We obviously take back uh, Kinshiro, who's writing a book about monsters, and in particular, this Japanese troops who was stationed on Lagos Island. 
uh, were saved from uh, the American invasion by this big dinosaur that turned up and defended them all. But he got mortally wounded because the Americans basically. Yeah, how did he survive? How, how did he live another was it ten more years? I think it was before the 1954. They say basically bombing. that we can't carry you but we appreciate your sacrifice and we hope that you heal quickly from your wounds. So it's the idea basically that he wasn't like mm. wounded. He was going to survive. He just needed a Red Bull and he was good. He was, yeah, he just needed a, he needed a little <laughs> bit of a lie down. So that explains, they bring back like uh, Kinshiro and, and that basically because they're trying to still portray themselves as being good aliens. Not good aliens, good time travelers. But they don't need to go back to 1992 at all. Well, they need Why to make do... Godzilla... Oh, yeah, I know what you're saying, that <laughs> because they need <laughs> to have a point <laughs> they come back to. We can't just have them turn up. But, yeah, so the whole main gist of this movie is the fact that we're going to see Godzilla's origin. We're going to see him in his dinosaur form. And Godzilla Minus One actually picks up this plot line as well, where Godzilla is dinosaur first and then gets mutated by the A-bomb, uh, which obviously falls in 54. So... <laughs> So this, I really love the the scenes when they're on the the island and we've got uh, dinosaur Godzilla who uses Gamera's roar, which is a really fun trick. Um, and we have the he beats up all the American soldiers and then the American battle destroyer guns him down and we have the wonderful line of "Take that, you dinosaur!" <laughs> Again, they may have phoned it in. For Delivered the... by Major Spielberg. <laughs> Which is not a navy rank. <laughs> they might have We're found it in when it came to like the, Amer- the English dialogue the way, in this movie. The way Elwood delivered it, that it was like "Carry on, Godzilla." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Keep calm and carry on. So yeah, we obviously go back, and then obviously King Ghidorah is now the dominant monster. And at this point, they assume that the Futurians our time traveling buddies uh, expecting Japan is going to submit but Japan refuses to submit because they're used to giant monsters destroying them every week <laughs> so they're like no we ain't going to defend and at which point Emmy has a change of heart and it's like yeah this plan ain't working I'm going to get on the winning team and sabotage all my future buddies um, and help you take down uh, King Ghidorah by coming up with this plan where we're going to revive Godzilla who at this point is still weakened by the anti-nuclear energy bacteria from Godzilla vs. Balanti, so he's lying dormant to the bottom of the ocean. But they use... But shouldn't he not be there? Yeah, I Isn't know. that the point of the 1944 making him, making dinosaur Godzilla disappear, and so that frozen Godzilla's not there when they get back, but he's like... Yeah, apparently he's like they... a fucking beer at the bottom of the fucking cooler. He's like, I'm still here, I'm under the ice. It's apparently when they made him disappear, they just relocated him. So. Yeah, and then it just so happened that a nuclear sub crashed like right next to where he was laying. I love when they cut to that newspaper clip of that. <laughs> when they're like, well, the only other way this could happen is if like a nuclear sub, and it's like nuclear sub crashes in Bering Sea. <laughs> it's also like, at this is. point that we learn there is such a thing as good nuclear energy, which is H-bombs, and bad nuclear energy, which is modern, <laughs> like nuclear subs crashing into your dinosaur. So now Godzilla is evil. <laughs> he's animalistic. And he, like, turns up and he battles Ghidorah in a surprisingly violent confrontation. Because mm-hmm. in the Godzilla movies, people don't die. The monsters sort of, like, just beat each other up. And it's very rare we see blood. I mean, we see blood in Godzilla versus Gigan. In this one, Ghidorah loses a head. He gets, like, properly royally done over. 
Godzilla catches rabies. Yeah, we get to see uh, Ghidorah <laughs> strangle the life out of Godzilla. Oh, it's all the all the all the bubble bath coming up out his mouth. But it's quite, but it is violent, isn't it? Like you say, he rips off um the middle head of King Ghidorah. Um, which is... So how do we find like the increased violence that this film obviously offers? We're obviously very used to sort of like the standard of the giant monster smackdowns we saw in Shower, and now we're obviously in Heisei and these are a lot more violent sort of confrontations we get we even see some like collateral damage of like people like being caught in blasts and we see godzilla randomly fall into a subway which has the all the look of oh where did that hole come from (laughs) oh whoops (laughs) it feels much like the actor didn't realize that hole was there and that they just (laughs) kind of like well we're gonna edit this in somehow (laughs) i personally like Uh, it right yeah i i I, I know this is a ridiculous film <laughs> with plot holes the size of Gibraltar in it, but <laughs> I also prefer my, I prefer things to be more realistic. I know I can't believe I've just said that out loud. The very, very first Godzilla film is kind of like this without the time travel nonsense, yeah, yeah. but it is, it it's does feel like there's genuine heft and threat to this monster and it does genuine damage and you imagine that people are genuinely getting killed um my favorite bit of um pacific rim you know it's, it's where the girl remembers when the monster is in the city and they're yeah. just it's just genuinely fucking scary yeah and i th- i do like that aspect of this that you do feel that if these giant monsters did enter a city it would fucking flatten it um i still don't understand why they have to have their one-on-one fights out in a Separate, because cities are expensive to make. Destroyed all the set they've made. I guess. I guess. So. It is is always weird that they go and let's go to the battle zone to have our fight. I love the fact that you (laughs) criticise this. Yet so much of Doctor Who is in quarries and car parks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm criticising it. I mean, I'm just don't forget. But yeah, Godzilla fights in the planes the same way that like every great kung fu movie ends in a quarry fight. It's, yeah. it's just the setup. We have it's to just, fly down the just, planes. He's an honorable it's just, warrior. It's just part of the genre. I get it. But to answer your question, I like I like that there's genuine threat here, mm. and that it's not it's not sort of childishly wiped away. I enjoyed uh, for as crazy and batshit crazy as this film truly is, and that was enjoyable. But when the the gentleman who you know, said to Godzilla, thank you for saving us kind of thing on the island. And he goes on to become some rich prick that they want him dead anyways. And Shindo, right? I think his name is Shindo. Yeah. 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 Um, when Godzilla comes to kill him, and oh. they had that moment of them looking back. I fucking loved that part of the movie. Like everything else in the movie that was ridiculous. And then it's a ridiculous film, but it's fun. But there was a, I was like, wow. I like, I was really like, wow, this is really powerful. Like, like Godzilla like knew it was almost it was weird. It was like, like Godzilla knew who that was. You know, it was like yeah. kind of like that like moment and they kind of looked at each other and they're just like a shared moment. And then Godzilla's like, I'm Godzilla. Like, I, you know, you can't be upset with Godzilla being Godzilla kind of thing. And he goes, this is what I am now. And he fucks him up. And it was just kind of like almost had a very samurai death to it feel like it's like, mm. I know I'm going to die. But if I'm going to die, I want to die at the hands of a better warrior. And it just had that feeling to it. And I was like, man, that was of all the rest of the film, the rest of the film is bashing, but there's one moment you go. It is a real. That was half. I was like, this is. 
It's like, damn, Godzilla, you made me have the feels. It's really bizarre. I mean, this is a film where a man's running around in a rubber suit being Mm -hmm. Godzilla. And like you said, I think the guy's up in this skyscraper and Mm -hmm. and he's sort of eye to eye Godzilla. Godzilla kind of recognize him. And and you're absolutely right. None of what you have said is said, but it is acted. Mm -hmm. A guy in a rubber suit and some clever direction and a bit of, you know, a little bit of eye movement. I think that's all that's Mm -hmm. going on. But we knew everything that was being yes, thought. Yes, it said. was phenomenal. I was like, I mean, I was like, this, I was like, this was worth the two hours I spent. Like this moment was worth all the fucking other Michael J. Fox wannabe Back to <coughs> the Future insanity. I was like, this was worth that two seconds of it. But it was really well done. I, I can't remember another you know monster movie like this where I felt like the real weight from the character having to be like come face to face with monster and the monster realizing the person it's about to destroy. And, it's, you know, you normally get that. You know, King Kong's, he's not, you know, people are getting eaten and thrown all over the place. They don't care. But at this moment, Godzilla showed heart and that he recognized somebody. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know, it was a really and awesome was a, moment a, for me in that movie. I was like, this and, is awesome. And you're absolutely right, I think, because with, with that sort of samurai and that respect and that mm. honor kind of thing, which, again, is an incredibly Japanese thing. Could you have done this in a more Western movie without it being... Daft. I think I think you're absolutely right. The honored opponent, mm-hmm. respected friend, but I'm gonna fucking kill you now. <laughs> I think, yeah, because that's what I am now. The you, real emotional heft, though, this the scene comes from the soundtrack, which is by Akira uh, Ikafumbe, who was a big part of the Shara era. His last film that he did was Terry Godzilla, and he really didn't like how his themes were being used in the films which followed so his daughter encouraged him to like come back and do the music for this film and you have like that scene you have the scene where these like flashback and they're like you know you're too heavy to carry but we will present arms and recognize you as our ally and we appreciate what how you saved all these men and as you said it just has this real emotional heft and the way the soundtrack like rises up and it's like you hear the strings and stuff and even hearing like the classic themes again because when we looked at Bailanta, we had like the funk theme, whatever they were doing with Godzilla marching yeah. that. And this one is sort of like, no, we're going right back to all the classics. We have like the classic attack music. We're going to have the Godzilla march. It's just like, oh, this really hits all the right notes, even though he's like the only sort of like guy of those original Godfathers who's coming back for this film. Um, I think as I said, does his presence, where he brings the film in terms of the soundtrack, does add so much. And when we have scenes like that stare off, the recognition between those two characters is just, it's just truly what raises his film up into that like higher echelon of Godzilla movies. And you wonder what it could have been if that was more of the story instead of the Back to the Future stuff. Well, I mean, this film, you know, like what 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 could have the film been had that been more of the story as opposed to. A white guy speaking Japanese in uh, shoulder padded shirts and you do, suits. <laughs> when you look at this film, though, everything's wrapped up at the hour 20 mark, and we've still got another, was that, mm-hmm. 10, 20 minutes to go. And you realize that if we end at the 1 hour 20, like Godzilla vanquishes King Ghidorah, he kills the aliens. But it's sort of like, oh, now we're stuck with <laughs> this really evil Godzilla going around who's busy trashing the city. And that gives us the chance to bring back Super Mecha King Ghidorah, one of the greatest additions to this franchise ever. Can um, someone just explain yes. to me? Because this this is my first. So we bring King Ghidorah there to thwart Japan. Yes. And it's fucking up Japan like no one's business. 
And they're like, the only thing that can save us is Godzilla. So he shows up, fucks up King Ghidorah. He's like, you motherfuckers, and fucks up Japan anyways. I'm like, wait a minute. We're going to go back and get the guy he just killed, re put him in a suit, make him a, make him a Transformer, and bring him back. And that'll change. I was like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. So the enemy of my enemy who's dead, but back again, like it was like a Jesus Christ moment. I wasn't sure what was happening after oh, that yeah. point. Like I was like, okay, so we need Godzilla to save us. And that's like, but now we have to save us from Godzilla with the same guy he just killed. But now we go to the future and see if he's okay after 20, after like 500 years of being just, you know, dormant and dead without there's a head. If we can No, there's back. every chance if his cells are still alive. Quote. Yes, and then we hear a heartbeat. I've M11. Got a lot of memory quotes in my head, <laughs> and that's another one. Why would the cells do it? But yeah, why would they, why would they be alive five hundred years later? I'm yeah, that's still, not how cells. That's still not how cells work. But, but again, hey, look, whatever. We still got the moment. I got to stare down. That was beautiful. So for me, but I was just kind of like, wait a minute. So. We didn't want King Ghidorah. We wanted Godzilla, but now we don't want Godzilla. We need the other guy come back. So remember, huh. Godzilla up to this point had been like a protector. And it's his resurrection yes. has has been with the bad nuclear energy. Mm. So this is now a more dangerous, feral. Not He's not protecting Japan. He's as bad as King Ghidorah, I guess, is what they're okay. yeah. going for. Mm -hmm. and by basically the because we see like the godzilla defense force they're using the laser cannons nothing is stopping Godzilla. so what can we bring back to bring him back bring back king Ghidorah, but we're going to turn him into our weapon and obviously i mean japan japan loves a giant robot i mean we had how many movies with mecha king Ghidorah? there's at least three with him in and he's obviously in the legendary ones he's a very popular character so to do mecha king Ghidorah. I think it was just, I remember watching it the first time and when he comes back as Mecha King Door and it's presented with such gravitas, it's sort of like, they have the little flashes of like, oh, he's got like the bionic legs and he's got a robot head. And then we see Emmy, who's in the <laughs> amazing flight, wear, flight suit of a nice knitted cardigan. It's like normally there would be in a jumpsuit or like a, a flight suit or something, but no, she's in a knitted cardigan that she's gone back to the future to get. Yeah, this isn't um, this isn't Power Rangers, is it? <laughs> <laughs> she's the, she's the grandmotherly Power Ranger. Uh, <laughs> oh man, this uh, this isn't even Rescue Rangers to be honest with you. <laughs> even fucking Paw Patrol. But, uh, oh man. <clears throat> Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, there's the some of the choices they make are, are definitely interesting for sure. But for, I, sure. I have to say, I'm just I, wondering how a body doesn't decompose in 500 years either. Just laying there, um, headless, just right where it was. There's no bones, <laughs> decomposition. But like she, Emmy said, oh by the way, if anyone is listening, she's Japanese. In case you didn't know, uh, that's kind of a that's really important to the <laughs> Don't story. Forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Everyone else is not. She's Japanese. The rest of everyone else, she is the only Japanese. Maybe that's what it is. Because they said to destroy Japan. Maybe she's the only Japanese person, no, she and that doesn't follow to, through. Remember, she no, goes no, back but, to the future and meets other Japanese people, don't they? Who, who no, there's white guys I thought sitting there in the sub. No, there's the, the old guy, wasn't there, that she went back to meet, who she asked right. him to help her create Mecha King Ghidorah. That's really hard to pass, but Mecha King Ghidorah is fucking cool, because oh, he's like a cyborg. 100%. He's not like 100%. a... 
Do you remember how would we watch that King Kong? He's Robocop. One? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robocop. What was the, what was the King Kong one with, uh, with Mecha King Kong? Was it King Kong Returns or something? No, uh, King Kong Escapes, which gave us Mechie Kong. Mechie Kong, that's one. Which is just a Robot Kong. This is... Of course, why and, not? And is, is some kind of zombie cyborg version of um, King Ghidorah. And it's cool because it's got that because king kador is kind of cool because he's golden anyway mm-hmm. i say it's a he yeah he's a he I see. yeah yeah, yeah. Sure. <clears throat> i mean we don't see any danger so we don't know no 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 the, the female I... monsters in <laughs> in the uh kaiju verse are very limited and few i mean you've obviously got like spygra mothra biolante <laughs> yeah. um there's a female godzilla that they propose there's a female rodan who's in uh rodan um so they're limited and few but they're all very cool characters nick uh, your thoughts on uh do you like the fact that they brought back mecha king Ghidorah? do you think it should have been oh just yeah king Ghidorah? oh god no i'm i'm all mecha all the time man anytime mecha anything shows up i'm for it in south park when it was mecha barbara streisand showing up i was there and i was so <laughs> excited about it i kind of had forgotten that uh, Mecha King Ghidorah had shown up in this film. I was expecting, like, kind of a tease about it, and then mm. a, for their appearance in a later film. But when it shows up, I was like, "Here we go!" Like, I'm, I'm, I'm for it. Anytime it shows up, I'm for it. Maybe not so much in the newer films, like from 2021, because I think they handled it poorly. But there are great instances of a Mecha Kaiju, and this is one of them for sure. I 100% thought we were going to get Mecha King Ghidorah in Godzilla vs. Kong, because he obviously has the head, and I thought, oh, they're going to like make Mecha King Ghidorah, and that's going to be the the uh, thing that they go up against at the end, but instead we just got Mecha Godzilla, which, which, you know, was okay, but it just wasn't Mecha King Ghidorah <laughs> at the end of the day. It's, so... But, yeah, I mean, I like that. I mean, we obviously in Godzilla Final Wars, we get Mecha Gigan, which is also really cool. We had, like, the chainsaw blades instead of the uh, hook hands. Mm. And then he turns into King Ghidorah for no apparent reason. Because why not? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of things that, uh, why not in that movie? Uh, Emmy, Emmy, which you didn't know was in the background. Emmy flew back in and we we changed a few things. With M11, they they changed it up. Yeah. All they did is they changed the CD changer. Yeah, took the CD changer out of their head, <laughs> put a few new CDs in. He went Slipknot and goes back in the head. And... I have to say though, um, I love the scene where the one the car chase that we have, where the car randomly get they launch a jeep just randomly when they're running away from uh, M11, mm-hmm. who then just oh. runs in front of them, and it's like, wow, this guy's really serious. Maybe you forget, he's very ominous. The jeep jumps <laughs> through some boxes on a truck. Meanwhile, the vehicle somehow that was on the left side of it oh, now somehow so... turned over sideways, <laughs> falling off the edge. And as soon as it lands on its top, I mean, instantly, explosion. Like, it just, what I don't know what it was carrying, kerosene, I don't know. It explodes instantly. <laughs> he gets off, rips off a sleeve, and then goes into that million-dollar man run where he's just barely moving his arms but moving at the speed of light. And then... I do like, like later on in the movie when they're going to run somewhere, like he's jogging ahead of people, but they don't, they forget about the speed. So he just looks like a regular person just jogging ahead of people. So it's just like, oh, he decides when he wants to go fast and when he doesn't. All right. You don't tell M11 when he needs to pick up the pace. He's just, you know, on his own time. Unless you're my boss. 
<laughs> yes. You know, the, the wrong CD was in the player. <laughs> I, do, I just remembered now the other thing which is reminding me. So that 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 Jeep which should have off a ramp and spin. Yep. <laughs> that just reminded me of the A team. You know, there's that that's an A team's opening credits from the, the only thing it was missing was hitting a fruit stand. Yeah. All it was missing from an A team homage. Some but some, somebody in Toho was really into American films and television shows because yeah six oh, million yeah. man although i guess that's more sort of 70s isn't it but yeah there's cars exploding when they flip over for no yeah. reason they just blow up well so if mean... you watch enough tv shows you'll be pretty sure the cars explode on impact and the quicksand is everywhere 80s and 90s will tell you that you have quicksand so a lot everywhere, of quicksand, a yeah. lot of like a, a serious amount of quicksand you're you're in trouble and then if you get your car even to turn over on its side it's going to blow up it's just going to happen like you there's nothing you can do about all it all the time. I can't. Time. I can't. So I can't look, walk ten meters without a car blowing up or a petrol station blowing <laughs> exactly. up. Exactly. All the fucking time. It's hazardous <laughs> out there. <laughs> Fuck! It's a Tuesday. Jesus Christ! How many cars are gonna blow up on this day? <laughs> it's like that. I just remember that app. It was quite an early sort of app for iPhones, but it was like a Michael Bay filter you could put on everything, and it just made like explosions happen to every photograph and thing. Like, uh, I guess it was early AR, wasn't it? But yeah, that's that's what it's like. I. We live in Michael Bayland. <laughs> and we're all better for it. We are. Just be careful, kids. You go out in the backyard. Quicksand is right around the corner. While you're dodging the exploding vehicles and petrol stations, or known as gas stations in America, you are most likely going to fall into quicksand somewhere. In any terrain. The difference Snow, is this, jungle, this, desert. this is the difference between the UK and the US, obviously you've got the quicksand explosions. Elwood, you'll, you'll understand this. The biggest threat we had was fridges by the canal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, the, the, the UK government, uh, which had a branch about public safety, who used to put out public safety movies, often in the middle of your cartoons, where you would be warned about, like, don't climb in fridges or go near water or put a mat on a polished floor. Basically, it was things like, don't follow strange people home, don't play with <laughs> matches. A lot of it was a good sense, although, but it was terrifying as a child. But one of them was this image of this fridge, you know, like a refrigerator yeah. that was left by a canal. And the warning was you could climb inside it and get stuck inside and suffocate and die. The scenario never happened. What? Where was this happening? I mean, I'm sure people were dumping fridges in the canal and you know that's how it used to be. But I don't think any kids were ever stuck. So either you could say it worked well as a public information campaign. That's true. That is true. Or you could say, <laughs> what the fuck were they doing? Um, and, and back in the 30s, let me tell you, no, the no, 30s, no. motherfuckers were disappearing into fridges, yeah, yeah, fridges yeah, all the right. time. And the Nazis yeah, showed up, we forgot all about it. Somewhere, right? Yeah. But we, we, this was the 70s, and yeah, and I think Canada also had a similar set of public information. I don't know if it's a cultural thing in the States, but. We had G.I. Joe at the end of a cartoon would tell us, don't get into a fridge when you're playing hide and seek, because mm -hmm. no one is half the battle, yo, Joe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other half of the battle is extreme violence against the enemy, but the sec first half is make sure you know something. Then kill the fuck out of the people who don't know. That's yeah. the, the, the message. <laughs> yeah, we 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 were told a lot of things. A lot of the things, to be fair, was good advice. 
Agreed. A lot of the stuff was, when the fuck is this happening? And, <laughs> and, and we laugh about it now. <laughs> you quit. I, I'm disappointed that Quicksand hasn't gotten more people. I was expecting to lose some friends. I'll be honest with you. I was in the Boy Scouts. We go out in the woods. I, I wasn't even worried about being touched. I was worried about Quicksand. Like, I didn't know beating Diddle was the worst thing that was going to happen out there, possibly. I thought, Guys, do we got enough gonna... rope? <laughs> do, do we need to carry twigs? Something so that we should be worried about Quicksand. Is there an area somewhere? Never happened. Well, how did I know that they were just diddling children? <laughs> that was the Quicksand. That's like what they didn't quick tell. Hands. Yeah, quick hands. Yeah. Watch out for those quick hands on uh, Father Joe over there. He's <laughs> You're looking for Quicksand. <laughs> Sorry, your Kaiju Christmas oh, has turned into something mate, awful. Elwood, I apologize. I'll never be on again. Elwood's just thinking the editing I'm going to have to do. The funny thing is his face is still frozen, and it looks like this is the face he would be making in this conversation. On the notes that you put out for this, Stephen, you obviously mentioned about the fact there's a jingoism within this film, so it's can be seen as very anti-US, something that didn't really resonate with myself, obviously, this being a Japanese movie, I assume that it would be so there's some, made so there's for some Japanese hi- audiences, yeah. so it would be there's critical of the US. Yeah, so there's some historical context here. Um, again, my, my, my American colleagues might, might know more, but at the time, um, in the days before China was the big threat, um, but after Russia was the big threat, economically at this time in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, Japan was viewed as the economic powerhouse. Um, it was a threat to American businesses, the car business, I suspect, especially, um, but the electronics industry and things like that. So I think there was a classic American jingoism about another country not saying America is great. And I know that would sound better coming from Scott or Nick than me. But um, so I think CNN picked up on this, if, if, if what I read was right, and did a report on this film saying this is a terrible film which is slagging off America. When in fact, it's kind of slagging off Japan. <laughs> it's, it's, they hadn't really seen it. Um, there's other stuff as well, which is kind of interesting because you don't see a lot of Japanese films that reference their part in World War Two. It's quite unusual. I mean, it's not without precedent. But, yeah, so we've got people in this film who fought in World War Two and they're quite openly talking about fighting for their nation and stuff like that. I think there's, there's quite a lot in the early, early bit of the movie. where. And you're not wrong, but I don't I, again, this is probably 30. So we're 30 plus years down the road. And I'm, I'm trying to think back to 91 because I was in high school. So I'm trying to think back. Like, I know that probably in America we knew that Japan was doing, you know, cars were, were starting to really populate over here, Honda, Toyota kind of thing. And I know, like, you know, obviously Sony and stuff was becoming big. But I don't, I don't recall, and I could be wrong, you know, it's a long time. A lot, a lot has fucking happened since King Jidora came back from 24,000. You know what I mean? It's been a long time. Um, but I don't remember having or feeling this angst towards Japan. Because uh, probably, uh, I think we're still in the first Gulf War. It was around this time as well. So we've got, uh, what's his name, invading Kuwait. We're worried about our oil. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sorry. We're worried about the people of Kuwait. I apologize. I got that wrong. Um, history, you know, we tell it a different way. Um, so I don't remember us not liking Japan at any point. 
But but again, I could. I was a teenager. Uh, it, it would would been, I really be yeah. plugged into it? I don't know. It, I don't remember it, hearing it on the news. But there's. A, I mean, I guess we could have. But I. I just remember things being just not worried about that. So, as so far as on where I'm, at least where I'm living on the Northeast, I don't remember people like oh the fucking Japanese. Like I don't remember any like you know like right wing. We didn't have the right wing like we do now. But you know, so like, oh those goddamn Japanese in their cars. You know, like. That may have been something like an automaker would say because they were, you know, I mean, so we, we getting beaten competition. We would have been in that place in the UK about 10 years earlier. So as our car industry was dying and the imports of um, mm-hmm. what was Nissan used to be called Datsun was what Nissan, which was what Nissan was called in Europe. And so they, mm-hmm. they would come in with cars and Honda um, and our, our industries were dying um, the electronics industry as well. You know, the Japanese won the computer wars. Yeah. I mean, Apple have since mm-hmm. wrapped their own. Yeah, the, time, you're right. South, yep. the South Koreans have come in and changed it. But at the time, the Japanese were winning that. They were winning the, the electronics manufacturing wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was very much an economic thing. I think you're absolutely right. This was the time of the first um, Gulf War. So, you know, there's there's a whole other bit of the world for america to deflect and hate on and to be fair you know the brits done their share of that themselves uh, just, a, just a hair i've read a few things not much though but just yeah. a few things never used to <laughs> never used to set on us you know the, <laughs> the someone someone there was a community who recently said something about the uh you brits must be really happy you're like you're the you're the country who has the most independent days named after it <laughs> you've created the most independent days in the world so congratulations world record holders i like that we'll take we'll take that um another fact about the film that we should uh, know is that the suit actor for Godzilla in this one is ken Kempachiro Satsuma, who took over in the Heisei era. Now, prior to this, he had played Gigan and Hidora. He'd also played Pugasari in North Korea's only entry into the Ooh, Kaiju nice. genre. Um, Pugasari. And he took over for uh, the Heisei era. And sadly, he passed away this week, age 70, uh, in the 70s. So it's mm-hmm. uh, quite an incredible legacy of work that he leaves behind. And certainly, he brings so much to the Heisei era, as he was the one who sort of like really pushed Godzilla into that sort of more animalistic and dark style um, that we see here now. And I think yeah. what he does with the Heisei era, Godzilla, really helped define it as its own era rather than it just being a time period. We really got to see a shift in the character. And I think this is someone that's not often recognized when it comes to the suit actors. I mean, here is a guy who was so dedicated to his craft, he would regularly pass out. And often when you look at the suit actors, especially in Toho, where they would reuse suits, they would often repaint them with the actors still inside. They would strap explosives to them. So these were very dedicated guys who would hold on to these uh, these roles. And certainly with uh, Satsuma, he does bring so much to the Heisei era. And as well as to the character Gigan, who is, for myself, has always been a top tier sort of villainous standout and Godzilla vs. Gigan, another phenomenal film and right up there in my favourites. So but uh very sad to hear about him passing away uh this week. So it was uh kind of fitting that we got to talk about this film, uh which is certainly one of oh, his yeah. best. Yeah. Anything else we want to bring up on this one other than the fact that Emmy is Japanese? <laughs> That you beat me too. That's pivotal. That's <laughs> pivotal. It is pivotal. I'm just. I don't want people to take it lightly. It's pivotal. Pivotal that she's Japanese. Yeah. And you're my boss. 
<laughs> this is oh, and Spielberg's father does make a cameo. I just like it's a cameo. It's amazing. <laughs> when we really look at the bizarre things that Godzilla has done over the course of his franchise, he's learned to fly. He speaks in Godzilla vs. Gigan. Um, we get to see him battle a smog monster. We've seen him battle a giant crab. We've had him paired with a son who looks like Lumpy Mash. He's died multiple times and been resurrected multiple times. Um, time travel, it's probably one of the least bizarre things we've seen happen in this franchise. Oh, I have no problem with the time travel. I think that's a really fucking solid idea. I just wish the time travel had A, been necessary, and B, had some effect. <laughs> I, think, I, th- I, I think that's brilliant. Going back and seeing his origin story, giving Godzilla a proper origin story, top banana. More, more please. Um, people coming from the future with a dastardly plan mm-hmm. and tricking people. Top banana. I think there's so much in this movie is really fucking good. And, you know, you could polish up the script, modernize it a bit and do a Godzilla plus one or whatever the next one will be to, to, to have a more sort of 21st century take on some of these would be fantastic. It's way better than, you know, You've mentioned some of the things that Godzilla's done. This is, or Godzilla films have done. This is nothing. Yeah, I mean, we don't even have Stalin with a samurai sword that we got in Godzilla Final Wars, which apparently somebody thought was a good idea. <laughs> um, and yes, we, we, I mean, we never got to see the return of King Caesar in the Heisei era. Are you disappointed by that, Stephen? So King Caesar's my favourite. It's a very small group who believe that. I love. What's that? Is that Mechagodzilla? Yes, that's where he he randomly appears in a cave. Yeah, well, he's a he's a giant Chinese lion. Yeah, he's a food fucking glove. Yeah, but he looks like moth-eaten, and he's only just turned up. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'd I'd happily. I got Mecha, Mecha King Caesar, please. That's what it's I not want. out of the realm of possibility. It's not. Absolutely, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for that. <laughs> so, I mean, that obviously puts the question. I mean, obviously, Godzilla minus one is obviously going to get follow up at some point. I imagine. Um, is there any particular Godzilla foe or ally that you would like to see make a return? I mean, obviously. Um, just feel free to chime in here. I mean, who would you like to see? I mean, for myself, still would love to see Anglus come back. I think Anglus is the heart and soul of this franchise. Um, and I would certainly love to see him, him come back. Because obviously Mothra's come back. And I think when we saw Godzilla in... Um, we, when we saw King Ghidorah in uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, the second of the legendary ones... It was a little jarring when I saw him in this one from going from being reminded how scary that monster is to then see mm. the suit version. It was like, oh, wait, no, this is the one I was supposed to like. Because <laughs> he is so intimidating in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, um, especially when he appears out of the ice and the smog and stuff. And then when you see him here, it's all like, oh, it's like, oh, that's the thing we're afraid of again. But I think he pulls it back. But no, uh, allies and foes, who would you like to see see make a return? I mean, you want to see them all, but I'm cool with uh, – I'd love to see Hedorah. I'd love to see Monster Zero. I mean, even if we got uh, – I can't think of the name offhand, but kind of like that smoke monster, the uh, the smog-type creature. That was, I, again, name escapes me. Yeah, but, Hedorah. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, I got that right. Nailed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to see that come back once, because I'm sure they could make a more realistic and uh, nature, naturalistic approach to it, and I think it could work and not be too out of the realm of fantasy. Yeah. So, Stephen, anyone you want? Has, has the answer been there already? Um, well, obviously, I want I want to see a modern version of uh, King Caesar. <laughs> I genuinely think King Caesar is <laughs> fantastic. Um, I was just having a look down a list of um, of them of of all his. Uh, I mean, what I really want is a Godzilla versus Gamera. I want a modern Gamera, and I want to I want to see him head off against Godzilla, but that'll never happen, will it? You never know. Never say never. Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse are in a movie together for a couple minutes. Anything's possible. True, true. All the Spider-Men got together. We finally (gasps) got to see, uh, what is it, Uh, Nick Cage is Superman. Anything is possible. I've just, you've just made me think if we had an anime, if if we had an across the Godzilla-verse. But they'd bring Manila back, wouldn't they? What I want, mate, is not to see Manila again. Well... (laughs) I'll, I'll I'll take the 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 you know like at the end of Deadpool two where Deadpool goes back in time and kills the Deadpool from um, X Men Origins. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's what I want to say. We brought this up when we did up. Final Wars. The fact we had a gun and Manila <laughs> in the same frame and we still didn't shoot him. Yeah. I want I want to see I want to see Emmy go back in time. Oh, for Christ. Is sake. she the Japanese one? And she's the Jap- I think so. Japanese I think so. Guy. With M11, because he's her boss. No, she's his <laughs> boss. And and shoot, barbecue, and eat Manila. Jesus. So he can't ever come back. You really is, are not a fan. <laughs> is M11 the first sex robot android? Have we do we f- finalize that in the film? I felt, felt like there was a little bit of a sex robot oh, vibe oh, to him. Mate, what, once, once, on. once the CDs were put in his head, I just feel like there was a little bit of a sex robot. I, hey, my boss. I've just remembered another weird thing in this film. So, sorry, Elwood, we, we will come back to your listing of monsters, <laughs> which I know you're desperate to do, but this is really important. So, there's the there's three people are invited to go back to 1944 with Emmy and the Futurons. Um, there's the there's the guy that's writing the book. Yeah. Right. There's no reason to be there, but yes. Because there's no reason to believe that. Who no. also his publisher says, Oh, I'm gonna publish your book now, I wanna get married. Fucking weird. Um there's a girl who's clearly keen on him, and there's an older fella. I can't remember what any of the other roles are. That, he's no, a dinosaur expert or something. That's like right, that. he's a dinosaur expert. He's discovered Godzilla Saurus, hasn't he? That's yes, right. I can't right. remember what the girl is, but she's got some she's research like center. Science she's some person. research center, yeah. But clearly, her and the book guy have a kind of relationship. Then, for an hour of the film, he ignores the shit out of her, tries to get on with Emmy. Mm-hmm. Emmy flies off into mm-hmm. another film, which Nick has spoiled for me, but I'm happy. And then. The girl just pops right back up next to him as if she's his girlfriend again. I mean, what the fuck's that about? And I think I heard that Emmy is his spawn from the future. So he's no. trying to bang. Oh, I see. His yeah. future spawn, like like many generations down. Oh, 
Like, which which makes like which a reverse back to the future. Yeah, which is why we now know why she's Japanese. Because otherwise, how could she be related to him if she wasn't also Japanese? Ah, so they, yeah, they, the is, filmmakers cleared it up for us. This is right. This is this is like the horny <laughs> the horny mum in Back to the Future. Yeah. So, but I'm saying M11. <laughs> I think he might be a sex robot. <laughs> now anyway. he's got the, the CDs. He was a killer robot, but now. He's whatever you want, boss. <laughs> oh, he's he's a killer, a lady killer. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's their android Tan, uh, Tony Danza from Who's the Boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Elwood, I'm so sorry, mate. Oh, uh, you were trying to keep us on the straight and narrow. <laughs> I think I think it's my turn now, right? So, uh, I want to see Emmy, the Japanese one, not the not the, not the American one, because I fuck with her. But this is going to show my ignorance of the Godzilla genre. Okay. However, from this movie, what I was hoping would happen, it didn't happen. I would like to see Godzilla v. Evil Godzilla. I want to see that fight. I want to see. I don't know if there's been an Evil Godzilla show, but there's Evil Godzilla because he got transported somewhere else. So that opens it up for this as an option. But Godzilla there is, there is the chance of is the evil version of him. Showa era Godzilla versus Heisei era Godzilla. Mm. Which is probably kind of Godzilla multiverse. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean because technically, so. wouldn't there be a Godzilla multiverse if they moved this one dinosaur one somewhere and he could technically be reacted to whatever? And we've got this other one that's been frozen underneath for, you know, he shows up because clearly now they've moved from good Godzilla to evil Godzilla in this 92 film. Wow. So I would like to see the two. The closest Clash. we get is in Godzilla vs. Mechagodora, uh, Mechagodzilla, yeah. because Mechagodzilla originally turns up in a Godzilla skin, and they're like, oh, why is Godzilla evil? Why is he beating up Anglers? And then the mm-hmm. two face off against each other, and he bends off all his skin and reveals he's a robot. Yeah. Well, I want to see non-robot Mechagodzilla you being want, ridden just... by Japanese Emmy, taking on evil Godzilla being ridden by American Emmy. <laughs> that's what i want to where are you going to put a saddle on an upright listen thing? oh is it going to be like we, those dino warriors are you debating me over the fact that we just had this dinosaur on disappear Elwood? but show up and be uh, and we find an article where there was a submarine that destroyed come, come on chat be gpt and ai out there it all is this possible. stuff can happen it's all possible <laughs> We went back in time and found a 500 year old dead body missing a head and turned it into a robot anything you're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. Yes. Let's. I mean, we took a guy who was trying to kill everybody, changed out his CDs to Dave Matthews Band, and he is a docile servant of fucking Emmy. All it takes is a couple of CDs and some dreams, and we have got ourselves a movie. Ants go marching. You know what I mean? <laughs> Any oh, we're gonna, gonna crash into you. <laughs> Anything that we haven't brought up? I mean, I think at this point we've been talking longer than the actual movie is, so we've made it like a commentary <laughs> track. <laughs> we've true. gone backwards and forwards in time as well, so we have. So uh, I just, I just, I just think for me, right? I think as I said at the beginning, right? This is the most bonkers Godzilla movie I've seen. So I haven't seen them all, and certainly yeah. in this era, mm. um, I've seen most of the Showa era ones, but and I've seen some later ones, but this is like I, I this is. Something I look forward to at Christmas because I feel last year we did Biolante, we've done this. Um, did we do Final Wars? Yes, as, we did Final Wars. Christmas. 
Uh, Which I know is Millennium Era, but see, So far we've done Destroyer Monsters, we did Mothra, we did Pulkasari, we did Final Wars, we did ba- uh, Balante, and now we've obviously done this. we're doing this. Yeah. So we've still got quite a lot of films to cover. Uh, but we've, and then we've got camera we... ones and stuff as well, so... <sighs> But I feel like it may sound to the uninitiated that we've been dunking on this film all night. And, <laughs> all love. Uh, but it is really, really, really good. <laughs> for, for all its faults, and because of its faults, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and there's some high-concept ideas that I wouldn't mind seeing more of. And, yeah, it's just a really good movie. Um I don't know how it's considered in the wider fandom. I know you're a big fan of Elwood, but I don't know in general if... Uh... I believe it's very highly regarded. I mean, certainly when I look on Letterbox, I see a lot of fours there. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it can't be fives, but you know, I would have to go and individually speak to those people and say, what, what's the deal, man? You give it four. <laughs> too much to like, knock it on to five? I mean, how many times do you see... I mean, for myself... If I rate something five, it's because it's got that rewatchability. Like four is like, you know, that was fantastic, and it may just be that I just never will watch this again. But if I'm five, it's that I know I'm going to come back to this again and again, and that's why this is like a five star for myself. But you know, I just. But there's not many movies that make me feel like I'm going to get another T-shirt printed, which is going to be of Emmy saying I'm Japanese. I'm literally thinking <laughs> of getting that made up. That's that's not going to be on our merch store. I, I oh, I mean honestly, yeah, I, yeah. Leave it with me. I will. <laughs> I will create such a thing. <laughs> it's a it's a really fun, terrible movie. I've covered a lot of stuff on my other podcast, side podcast, where they're not great movies all the time, but they're so much fun to watch like i think a part of the problem with film today is everyone it's either got to be amazing or nothing at all and there have been some really i mean shitty movies but yet there's something about them that just endears you to them that you enjoy there is no central point in this film like the storyline does not make sense at all you there like you said there's more holes in it than gibraltar however however there are some fun fucking moments in it and if you cannot take things seriously all the time you can enjoy movies that maybe are is this going to be as good as godzilla minus one probably not i'm really looking forward to that tomorrow but does it have to be considered the room you know what i mean like, does it have to be considered <laughs> even the room is fun and that's yeah. a fucking dog shit movie but yeah. if you can go into i think people just need to start putting this mindset of like movies are are made to be fun and if the person's not taking it too seriously you can enjoy a movie that are B movies because I'm I'm a product of the '80s and here in America we had USA up all night and there are some real dog shit movies that would be on those but they're fun B movies that you know like one of my favorite movies as a kid is the Beast Smash and I've watched it as an adult it does not hold up but it's still fun because I I don't know why I love the Beastmaster it's not a great film when you get is older it's that, is that but Mark it was great Singer. is that Mark Singer is he the Beastmaster uh, I don't remember it's his the one name with the but, two uh, ferrets two ferrets and uh the the john amos the 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 father who was in the show um good times here in america like he showed like there's a tiger there's like a like there's a whole bunch of crazy shit going on it's it was the first time face. i saw tits as a it's kid like, like, like oh my God. <laughs> it's he-man uh, with ferrets yes but it was so much fun as a kid and like obviously as you get older taste change but it's still a good fun movie and i don't you know i just think sometimes people just want to be 
oh, it's not A24, it's not anything. It's like, ah, oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> you know, like, take your vibes and fuck yourself. This is a fun movie. I mean, we it's see. not trying to be something amazing. It's, it's just trying to have fun with it. Yeah. There are guys in suits that we know are in suits, and they're not pretending. Oh, you know I what I mean? mean? And like you said, the suits look better than some of the fucking CGI we've gotten from Marvel lately in DC. So I'll bring on the fucking suits. How can you not recognize the artistry of, like, those city sets? Oh, they're the, amazing. The suits. Amazing. I mean, this isn't just, like, a cheap, like, suit. This Mm-mm. is the amount of detail. This is, like, up there with, like, Universal's Gilman. You see, like, on mm-hmm. Godzilla, you've got all the little wrinkles. You've got all the spines and stuff. Yes, I mean, yeah. it obviously has this rubberiness to it, but that is just the start of suit motions. So so there's a there's another scene, actually. It just reminded me. It's just, it's just a moment. Um, It's where Godzilla sort of is going across the countryside, and it's he's, sort of like, massive and... He's, he's in the distant shot and his tail's flapping around and it's a really mm-hmm. uh, really well um i don't want to say well shot it's really well um what's it called the Brain formatting lit. of the shot mm-hmm. just the, the just for composed the composition of the shot is like it's poster worthy and the tail is moving and it just for a second i believed it mm. yeah I didn't have to do the suspension of disbelief, which I often have to do with a Godzilla movie. And that's fine. It's part of what it is, right? It's part of a kaiju movie. That is really good. And if that was in a modern CGI'd version, it would be fine as well. And that's, it's all, you know, these, these people, I mean, artistry might not be the word I use, but occasionally it's really fucking good. I think there's definitely some artistry. Maybe, maybe not script wise of that, but what they're really trying to, to, to put together. Uh, <laughs> You gotta admire, like some of the stuff that they're trying to do is amazing. This, like you said, the sets when they're blowing those things up, and you know the guy in the suit standing right there, you're like, wow. You're like, how does this person? How have there not been more deaths by people in Godzilla movies? Because it's just spectacular. And yeah, I mean, as a as a Tarantino fan, they used a, a set for the the plane flying and Kill Bill Volume One, mm-hmm. and it's I know it's a set, but it's fucking beautiful. There's something amazing about the way they use that. To find, and as a child of the 80s in America, I used to love the little tracking shot that did for HBO when they'd start a movie and they'd go through this fake set they made like of a town. Through, yeah. And you know, yeah, come right through to a house. I fucking loved that. I've seen the back, the behind the scenes of how they shot. It's amazing. Yeah, there's just certain things that sometimes practicals are really cool, you know, and, mm. you know, and I, I feel sorry for people who are younger who don't, who maybe didn't grow up with that. So they, all they know is CGI, but there's something about, the way that stuff looked, there's just I, I I can't explain it, but there's a nostalgia, uh, there's just a a, a reaction you get a, seeing it. There's an aesthetic to it, which yes, exactly, is, yes. is what you enjoy. So just I know that I know they're listening, but the good people of Criterion, it is now time to do a Heisei era well, set, please. We've seen that the uh, bankroll, the bank receipts for uh, Godzilla minus one. You cannot say that doesn't give you a, like a fire under your ass to to get this set yeah, out there I, I i i will happily pay the hundred pounds again or whatever it cost oh, yeah. me last time um because that set of the show era is lovely it, it's got some of my favorite comic book artists doing the stuff but it does end and the i just think the hey series enough films it's half the number isn't it seven seven or eight movies give me give me a box set please make it match <laughs> your existing one 
No, so, they're not. I guarantee you it won't. They're going to do yeah. it just to piss you off. They're going to make it regular size so it fits on your but shelf. I, but I believe, for example, this is available on Blu-ray in the States, right? It did get a release a few years ago. But again, in yeah. the UK, impossible. No, 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 which no. Which is why this... Elwood's had to give us links. It to... is in the <laughs> Internet Archive, so you can watch both the sub and the dub version there. There was a... There was a VHS put out for the UK that was put out for Manga Entertainment, but it's very hard to get hold of. Uh, if you're trying to get hold of the DVD or the Blu-ray, especially here in the UK, and I believe it's the same in the States, it's, I believe they are both out of print, so they go for stupid money. But uh, as I said, you can watch them through the Internet Archive, which is the Internet's library. Um, so you can watch them there and... Um, yeah, fully appreciate it. But I appreciate the Internet Archive because it preserves films. And that's the key thing at the end of the day is film preservation. Let's hope Toho's accountancy team aren't listening. <laughs> Join the queue after this episode. <laughs> yeah. This is the end. This is the last episode of the Asian Cinema Film Archive. <laughs> Until but, Emmy, the Japanese one, returns mm. in 2400 AD. We know it goes wrong when we have a time traveler appear in our lounge and it's still like, you're going to go back. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that brings us into tonight's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to our guest tonight, the Reverend Scott K from the Church of Tarantino. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be able to be on twice in one year. So thank you, gentlemen, very, very much for bringing me on for this uh, amazing and uh, really educational and fun uh, episode. Um, and, of course, Mr. Nick Rehack. Thank you, of course, for having me on, as always. I appreciate it. And uh, you're obviously still over there at uh, Play MST, MST3K for me and uh, local innuendo. I've got that right. Yep, play MST for me, Lyrical Innuendo, over at Rabbit Hole Podcast. So, as always, full links will be provided below. Um, on our next episode, we're going to be continuing our look at the Housemaid uh, series with the 2010 remake. Um, continuing on from the original version we watched in our previous episode. So, um, looking forward to kicking off the year with that of 2024. But until next time... Thank you, as always, for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful Kaiju Christmas. But until then, thank you uh, for listening. Thank you as well to my co-host, uh, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. You're very welcome. And uh, we'll be back in 2024 with more films. It's kicking everything off with The Housemaid 2010. But until then, good night. Hey! Oh, you
は忘れて昨日のあの子は忘れて踊り続けていたい夜なのさ This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.